0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money saver tire and service deals today.
1: Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs.
2: The BK and Ferrario podcast powered by I promise now here's BK and Ferrario Two out bases loaded chance to get out of it here if he can get Matt Carpenter
3: upstairs Swing and a miss and Max Scherzer does what Max does best, the strikeout. You know, you get a guy on his heels a little bit that is established like him. You know, it's obviously a competitive advantage. I, I did feel like, um, you know, we were going to be able to to do some things, but he got better as he went. You know, he, he was he was effective, and, you know, we were able to take a lot of good at-bats and, and got his pitch count up to some degree and got him out of there. But, uh, yeah, it would have been nice to have been able to, to cash in after some really good bats in the first against him for sure.
0: Well, that's not the way that one was supposed to go. That audio courtesy of Nats Radio and Bally Sports Midwest with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals lose a tough one yesterday. One-nothing against Max Scherzer and the Nationals. It is their fifth straight rubber game that they have lost this season. They have been outscored in the rubber matches so far this year by a score of 30 to 4. They were shut out in each of their last three rubber matches. And yesterday, Alex, let's be honest, man, it came down to two opportunities. The first one came in the first inning. Bases are loaded. Strikeout, strikeout, end the inning. They end up not being able to get to Max Scherzer. Then, again, in the eighth inning, bases are loaded. They aren't able to come through. My guy, Matt Carpenter, failed both times. What would you make of it yesterday?
4: I, for me, it was expected. I mean, you're going up against Max Scherzer. What was unexpected was the fact that they had the bases loaded against Max Scherzer in the first inning, and they didn't capitalize on it. I thought that when you have that opportunity, when the guy is shaky, you pounce on that. And the Cardinals were able to get to that point, but then Dylan Carlson, Matt Carpenter, back-to-back their scenarios. Um, I-, I think I heard Danny Mack say this on the broadcast yesterday. This is the first time since 1955 that the Cardinals have lost All five of these series clinching games at the beginning of the season, right? setting up the wonderful sixties with that one. Yikes. So not great. Um, I I mean, if you're going to take a positive from it, and I know we're going hitting right now, but the pitching was phenomenal. The Cardinals did put themselves into scoring situations, but at the end of the day, you didn't score the runs. You didn't capitalize. It's the same thing you say about hockey. It's the same thing you say about football, basketball, when you have the chance to score and you don't do it. It's the only thing that comes away from this one. So the Cardinals have to go back to the drawing boards. And right now, I think you got to go back to the lineup that scored you, uh, what, 12 runs against the Nationals that scored you uh, 11 runs against the Cincinnati Reds. You got to get Tyler O'Neill back in there and you got to get Matt Carpenter out of there.
1: Yeah, once they didn't score in the first, it felt like that was definitely going to be a moment that you knew they were going to yep. regret. And that's exactly what happened. We all set it in happened. our
0: text thread. We mm-hmm. were talking with one another, and as that moment came up, it was like, this is potentially the game right here. Danny Mack mentioned it on the broadcast.
1: And after the Carlos Martinez double in the second, hashtag let pitchers hit. Uh, oh my God. Then Scherzer settled in and retired. I think it was 12 straight. So... Yeah, you have to take advantage early. It was clear he didn't have his best stuff. The Cardinals' offense doesn't take advantage, and it costs you. And and give Carlos Martinez, and you mentioned that, Alex, the pitching was the positive. You should have won this series. But based on the pitching you got and the struggles that it had heading into this series... To be quite honest, you probably should have swept this series looking at it. And I get it. That's hard to say. A sweep is hard to imagine. But you got a great outing from Adam Wainwright, and then the bullpen blows it. And granted, yes, that's a, a blip on the radar because the bullpen's really, really good. You
4: out there. You're right. No, you're right. But still, you also didn't score on a guy who came into the game with an 11 ERA. You That's didn't, another thing, too. You, you went, what is it? The, the two losses, you scored a total of two runs against a team that has the worst starting ERA in Major League Baseball. Over for 11 with runners in scoring position in like those you two just, games.
1: You can't do that. And the situational hitting, that's the big thing. Yeah. And that's what you runners mentioned there, BK. Runners, runners in scoring position, that's what ha- – on – what day is it now? Thursday? Tuesday. On Tuesday, Austin Dean, good situational hitting, gets the sack fly, gets you the go-ahead run, and again, the bullpen blows it. Yesterday, none of that. One out, bases loaded, you just have to get the ball in the air, you get back-to-back strikeouts, and then you get another opportunity, runner at second, Edmond doesn't get it done, and then in the eighth, bases loaded again, Carpenter hit it hard, but again, it was an out. It's not. That's not situational hitting. You have to find a way to get those runs in.
0: And I don't get it, man. It doesn't make sense to me. Please, somebody help me explain it, because I'm looking at the Cardinals uh, hitting with runners in scoring position on fan graphs right now. They're one of the three best teams in the league when it comes to preventing strikeouts in those situations. They've been good at not striking out with runners in scoring position on it as a whole. However, we all know we've watched the games. There are three games in particular where they had awesome, awesome days with the runners in scoring position. Those, of course, were the three games where they scored double digit runs. They were 16 for 33 with runners in scoring position on those three games. That's pretty good. And their other 15 games combined when they don't score double-digit runs. 12 for 83
4: with runners in scoring position, boys. 12 for 83. That's the number that I think... Ha- that's the number that you have to be looking at. You Absolutely. can't look at the other three and say, oh, yeah, this is... No, that was an anomaly. Look at the games that they did that against. Luis Castillo in 30-degree weather... That was the score. You did that against Steven Strasburg, who was then later put on the injured list. That was the score. The one that I can sit here and say, okay, you did it against Joe Ross, but you probably should have did it against Joe Ross. The first time you faced against him. But again, the guy hadn't given up a run up to that point. So I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. One game, one game this season that they have been awesome in runners and scoring position that hasn't had something attached to it. The rest there's your problem. It's weird, though. It really is. Like, this is, and it's one of the reasons
0: why I continue to be optimistic about the team. That's not sustainable. Like, there are certain things that happen, like uh, Burns, right, with the, with the Brewers. He's not going to strike out 40 and walk zero the rest of the year. That's are not sustainable sure? on, the, on the positive side of things. On the negative side of things, being 12 for 83 with runners in scoring position, that will not continue. The Cardinals in three games were the best hitter in the world when it came to hitting with runners in scoring position. And then in the other 15, they've been worse than the worst pitcher in the league at hitting with runners in scoring position. They're going to get better there. This will level out over time, but it's maddening to watch right now because you've basically watched a combined two and a half weeks of games where the Cardinals were inept any time that there was a runner on second or third.
1: Well, I think there's two things that also go. There's two things here. One is, I'd have to go back and look, but how many of those that are outs when you look at this runner in scoring position is actually a effective out? And what I mean by that is, if there's a runner at second, have you gotten the guy to third with one out, no outs? If well, that not, would go down as a sack fly. Well, no, I'm saying a ground out, too. If you don't hit the ball gotcha. to second, get the guy to third. But also, too, guys, I'm sorry, I don't know if this is going to improve that much going forward. It's not going to be this bad, don't get me wrong, but what's the Cardinals' approach this season? It's all or nothing. And unless that approach changes... I don't know if those numbers are going to change a whole lot with runners in scoring positions. Honestly,
4: yesterday, I think they could have been a little different if it wasn't for the guy who hit in both scenarios. And I, I, I'm not trying to be mean here, but, I mean, look, Dylan Carlson missed the opportunity there with the, the, the bases loaded, but Matt Carpenter had it twice. And the first time, he struck out. The second time, he hit the ball hard. He did. I scorched it. He scorched it. But again, like but again of I, I mean... You have other guys there that I'd be saying, let's see what they can offer in this situation.
1: Can, can we bring up that spot real quick? Sure. Base is loaded, eighth inning. You're down one, two outs. Matt Carpenter comes up. Do you pinch hit? Yes. And Yes. Your options on the bench at the time, if I'm not mistaken, are Molina and Nagowski. Yep. But the yeah. problem is, I, look, it's easy to say, yeah. Carpenter struggling, but I would rather have the righty lefty rather than righty righty. No, no,
4: I'd rather have the guy who's hitting 360 and is playing some of his best baseball right now hitting there. The
1: problem also there though is if Kisner gets hurt in that next half inning, you don't have a okay, backup well, catcher.
4: Guess what? If it happens it happens and then we're going to find another catcher, but I'm winning that baseball game. I'm winning that series. I haven't won a series up to this point other than the Miami Marlins. I didn't have
0: an issue with it for this reason because I think it's bigger. It, it goes back to what we talked about with the Giovanni Gallegos, right? I want to find out. Can you do this for later on down the road? If I get into a similar spot, you look like you don't have your command. I need to know. Can I stick with you when we get into the big games in August, September and hopefully October? I want to know that with Matt Carpenter, too, but we already knew that I we feel like we do. If I'm in Mike Schilt's shoes, I need to know with certainty whether or not it's in there. And he found out yesterday twice in a really hard situation. Uh-uh. It just ain't happening for Matt Carpenter. And so what I have pinch hit for them that him there. No, the answer is no. I thought they handled it correctly. I did not second guess Mike Schilt other than one spot where you had Kisner coming up in the top of the ninth. I would have pinch hit Yachty for Kisner there, although I do understand Kisner was having a really good day and you want to reward him for it. So I, I get it, but with nobody out, you got Williams on first. He took a walk to start the ninth inning. You're down by one run. I want Yachty coming up to the plate next, and then I'll put in a contact hit or I'll go with Nagowski at the bottom of my order. That's yeah. what I would have done there.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with Kisner. Like you mentioned, he had a good day, but he did make some like the simple mistakes at the plate. Like you're working on Scherzer's pitch count and I don't remember what ending, I think it was the fifth. And he swings first at the pitch. Fr- first pitch off speed too. And then what's he get to here? Three and one on Kisner runner runner at first, nobody out, as you mentioned. He swings onto breaking ball three one. Was he looking for and maybe? it? Maybe double play. Double play too. And, I would have to think 3-1 you're looking fastball if you don't get that you then you have to adjust 3-2 and just go from there those little mistakes costly but I, I understood keeping Kisner in the game at that point
4: I would have gone Yachty in that pinch hit situation because I I, I I missed the opportunity to win the ball game the night prior and this was winning a series against Max Scherzer I would have put went to Yachty there and I said look Carp, we get it you know you've been hitting the ball hard but this is bases loaded and we need it we need it we need runs here I would have gone with Yachty and I would have adjusted throughout I think it would have been a totally fair thing to do. I wouldn't have criticized Schultz
0: if he did that. I think it was fine sticking with Matt Carpenter there. I know this is not a good sports radio take, but I think either decision would have been perfectly acceptable in that spot. By the way, speaking of acceptable, the Cardinals pitching has been better lately. Like, If we're going to criticize things that have gone wrong, and there's plenty to criticize right now, I also have to give a little bit of credit where it is due. Jack Flaherty in his last three starts has a 1.6 ERA. That's pretty good. Adam Wainwright in his last three starts 2.6 ERA. That'll play. Carlos Martinez in his last three starts. He had the one blow up inning against Philly, where he allowed the six earned runs. But in his other 15 innings, he allowed a total of four runs. Guys. Are you starting to have a little bit more faith that this Cardinals rotation is going to be all right and it's getting back on track?
4: Yeah, especially those three. And now you got KK back and you're hoping Michaelis can come back sooner. So, yeah, it's starting to prove prove me wrong a little bit because I was concerned. And I get it, it was the early portion of the season and that's what happens. But, I mean, Flaherty is starting to to look like the ace of this ball club. Wainwright is starting to be the shades of last year. And, look, Carlos Martinez is a, is a surprise I mean, I knew he was going to be okay, but I thought he was going to be like a fifth starter okay. I mean, he's pitching like a third starter right now for you. I thought he was going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. Other than I than one, to say, I'm really <laughs> curious to see what Tanner has to say about the starting Other staff. Other than one start, though, I mean, he's basically giving you what Dakota Hudson would have given you this season. And I mean, that's, that's huge to have that. Maybe not quite as much depth, but the quality has pretty much been the same. Tanner, what do you
0: think?
1: I, I think it's been good of late, but I... Flaherty's about what I've expected. Maybe a little bit better would be good. Wayne just had the one good outing, so I want to see a little bit more consistency. How he's going to hold up through the season? Martinez has been a very pleasant surprise for me. You mentioned take out the wild inning. I took out the three run right inning against the Reds, where maybe he got left in a little too long. Yeah. Two point three seven ERA. I mean that's really good. So I'm the rotation hasn't impressed me. I, I'm just curious to see how it does going forward. KK is going to get better as time comes along. He only had the one start. Gant scares the crap out of me. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So when Michaels comes back, we'll see. But Wainwright's still a question mark for me just because of his age. How much can he do this going forward? If he has another solid outing his next time through the rotation, then maybe I'll really jump on board with this rotation. It's been good, but I'm still sitting right on the fence.
4: Uh, Because of Martinez, I'm reassessing this rotation. I don't look at Bueno, and I know he starts in like the two spot. I don't look at him as a two. If he gives me a fourth starter in my rotation, I'm fine with it because Carlos has given you a three, and hopefully KK can become that two.
0: Yeah, and whether it's Bueno and Michaelis, or excuse me, not Bueno, Michaelis, Bueno and uh, Martinez going back and forth, three, four, in terms of the quality of starts, that's perfect fine. I don't think that they are an elite staff. I think they have the potential to be very good. And when your defense returns, when you get Tyler O'Neal back tomorrow, when you get Harrison Bader back, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, I think that's when you're really going to start seeing the best version of this starting rotation, because defense hasn't been great so far this year. They have let down more. They have let up more runs than they should have because of the defense at times. And I think that's going to come back to earth in a, in a good way. For the Cardinals as we move forward here, it's one, it's eleven fifteen. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up in about fifteen minutes or so, I got to get Alex Ferrario's take on the Blues because I don't know if you guys are scoreboard watching. The Coyotes, they're doing everything they can. the NFC East to hand the Blues this fourth spot in the West. We'll talk about that in 15 minutes. Coming up next, though, Gary LaRock's going to tell us about what the Cardinals are looking at for their youngsters. He's the farm director, director of the player development. Gary LaRock joins us next on 101 ESPN.
2: This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
0: With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Very happy to go out to the Brownian and Celebrity Line to talk with the Cardinals Director of Player Development. He is Gary LaRock joining us here on the show. Gary, we always appreciate the time, my friend. How you doing today?
5: We're doing fine. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thrilled to have you on. So I'm curious, you know, I, from what Tanner told us, you're down in Florida right now. What's taking place down there? Because I know last week we were able to talk to Vooch and he was talking about the alternate site. What are the biggest difference, differences between what's taking place at the alternate site camp here in St. Louis and what you guys are doing down there in Florida?
5: Well, a uh, great question in that the minor league system, uh, when major league camp ended, uh, the minor leaguers were not here yet, uh, but what we did have was clearly the uh, players who were on that AAA Major League caliber level uh, who went to the alternate site to provide the, the players needed what would have been the Memphis schedule, and they provide the players needed for both the Memphis roster but clearly for the major leagues, and they worked out, as you know, uh, right close to Bush Stadium. And then we are here with the minor, remainder of the minor league camp which is 100-plus players that are here getting ready for the other affiliates as well, which is Springfield, Peoria, and Palm Beach.
4: So, Gary, you talk with these guys throughout the seasons and off-seasons. What has this last two years been like for, for these younger players without any minor leagues last season and with the alternate camps and then really not being able to get onto fields? How difficult has this been in their process?
5: It's interesting that 12 months ago, uh, we started a process as players were at home uh, of a conditioning and making sure uh, the work that was done as far as conditioning and preparation, not knowing how long we'd be. we were all hoping clearly, as you all remember, that we might be able to have a season start at some point. And well, when that didn't, uh, didn't happen, we really kept going with what we were doing, which was weekly or biweekly calls to our players. And um, I will have to admit they've all come in and worked extremely hard. They've been very faithful to their work preparation all the way through the fall, and then uh, when we hit January for pitchers to start throwing and start the build up in the throwing progression. And I, you know, I I am very proud of the fact that uh, the group has come in here uh, ready to compete again and been as healthy as they've been. And of course, following safety protocols is what we do. And we've been able to uh, work on that every day as part of the challenge.
0: Gary, how do you make sure that, I mean, when you don't have a year of minor league seasons, how do you make sure that those guys don't fall behind really in their development process? Is there anything that the Cardinals have done specifically with the minor leaguers to make sure that they don't fall behind?
5: Well, without games, you can well imagine it's a a test for everyone, Um, staff, loves the opportunity to see players develop over the period of one year and not to be able to play that 140-game minor league schedule is challenging for the players. Uh, the alternate site provided us for some of the players, as you know, last uh, June, July, and August, And but the remainder of those players, who most of them are here now in Jupiter preparing for May 4th openers, most of those players were not able to play at all anywhere because there wasn't any games being played anywhere. Uh, clearly whether it was some independent leagues and, and some of the opportunities they may have had, it just didn't cover your entire minor league system by by any stretch. So we were challenged with, what do we do? And we decided that the biggest thing to do was make sure that their conditioning plan was right. And I, uh, I give a lot of credit to the players. They were very faithful to it. Their work ethic was excellent. It's starting to show here now. They've been here for a few weeks as we get ready for May 4th.
4: Gary, I'm curious, and I know you said you're down in Jupiter, but you know what goes on at that alternate site as well that some of the players have been at. And how difficult is that, I guess, conditioning wise for these guys who might get called up or are going to get sent down to the minors once the season starts up in terms of conditioning? Are they able to go out there and do games? Is that more just kind of going through the rhythms of games? What goes into to the alternate
5: camp? Well, it's interesting because all those players were involved in, in Major League Spring training back in February and March. So they did have games under their, some games under their belt. They did have some experiences with the Major League Club in terms of innings, pitch, and or at-bats. What they continued to do in April while they have been at the alternate site can be more uh, isolated work, more specialized work, simulated type games. We put them in situations where there's games, pitchers facing hitters. We clearly give our def- our players a lot of defensive work. So they stay sharp. They stay ready because they know this month of April they have to provide the insurance we need in the big leagues.
0: The Cardinals Director of Player Development, Gary LaRock, joining us for another few minutes here on 101 ESPN. Gary, is there any positive to not playing games last year? I know that might sound like a strange question, but I'm trying to think of a guy like, for instance, Nolan Gorman, who's able to truly work on his own game and and prioritize specific things, maybe even within his swing, where if you were inside of a season, maybe he ends up kind of reverting back to what would have typically been his swing. Is there is there any kind of a positive that can come from a year off?
5: Well, without the games, you know, that's the big thing for a player's experience development-wise. But you raised a very good point. It's what do you do with the time? And it's not so much in time over the last 12 months, but it's with time. And a lot of our players who went to the alternate site had a lot of very, very individualized, uh, successful individualized work. We had Jose Okendo there in uh, Springfield last summer uh, who worked extremely hard defensively with our players. Um, Russ Steinhorn, our, our minor league hitting instructor, was able to work and, and do some of the offensive work that players needed. So a lot of metrics went into it, a lot of analytics for the players to learn. So you take advantage the best you can. Uh, we did. Uh, we'll see the result of that as we start May 4th.
4: Gary, uh, I know we're less than three months away, which seems like a long time, but we know how fast the baseball season goes once it's underway. And I'm curious, with the draft being in July, what what does scouting look like in a pandemic era for a Major League Baseball team?
5: Well, I would well imagine not scouting it every day because of my work here in player development every day, but I can well imagine the challenges. It was, it's a challenge under normal times. Uh, scouts move as quickly as they do to try to get the coverage they need, and then it's how many times you able to see the, the players that you ultimately will end up drafting. So Randy Flores and the scouting staff do a great job. We've been very fortunate over the years to bring players into this system. As you know, uh, our minor league system has worked very hard to try to provide what the major league club needs as far as players stepping into the big leagues. Inevitably, what we say to all the kids, and we've said it again, is getting there is one thing, and then staying there is the thing that matters. So you've got to be able to contribute. Uh, The Cardinals have always relied. We've relied organizationally on our minor leagues. And uh, we continue to do so, so that means there's a lot of work and a lot of challenges ahead.
0: Final question that I have for you, Gary, with Nolan Gorman. I know I kind of asked a a roundabout question about him earlier, but what's he working on down there position-wise? Is he kind of sticking to second base? Is he getting some work in the outfield? Where, Where is he spending the majority of his time right now?
5: Well, it's a great question, and I know our fan base always enjoys hearing about how we do it in development. And for Nolan particularly, He's been here working both at third base, a continuation of the major league work, and at second base. Um, we've had simulated games that we started. We just started our minor league spring training games. So he gets opportunities at both and then clearly gets the at-bats that um, that we want him to get, along with the rest of our, our players. So he's made uh, good use of the time. He's an extremely hard worker, very focused. I think the transition's gone very well over to second base and learning some of that. Jose Oquendo's here. Ironically, we have him right here with us for this month in minor league camp, so it's going pretty well.
0: Is there anybody else that stood out to you down there, Gary? I know you guys have a really tough time sometimes p- singling out one individual player, but for fans that are up here that are just craving Cardinals baseball content, is there anybody that you've seen that you're like, wow, that's been a really impressive month or so since the major leaguers left?
5: Well, you know me well because I like to talk about all the players that we <laughs> have down here, which is uh, every farm director probably does that. Sure. But um, I would say for some of the players that are targeted for our upper levels that are here in Jupiter and not in the alternate site, I've uh, been impressed with the work that uh, Ivan Herrera has done. That's a continuation for Major League Camp. He's here working, our catcher. Um, he's come along in the system, as our fans know. He's done a very good job here. I really think, in all fairness, that most of these young men are just so anxious to get games under their belts that to think we haven't played in 12 months and we just started games recently here in camp for minor leaguers, it's really interesting to see how much energy they're putting into it. So everybody's excited, ready to go, and we just have to stay healthy.
0: Well, Gary, we're looking forward to it. We can't wait here in St. Louis to be able to be checking out in the minors what these guys are doing on a day-to-day basis. All the best to you, all the best to the guys in Florida, and hopefully we'll talk with you again soon, Gary. Thanks so much for the time today.
5: Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
0: That's Gary LaRock, director of Cardinals Player Development, uh, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Find it interesting that Nolan Gorman, he said, is getting time at both third and second base right now uh, down
4: in Florida. Here comes the tinfoil from everyone listening saying, oh, Arenado's going to opt out. <laughs> I think that's what? that's got to be pretty simple, right? Like, if
0: anything, and go ahead and knock don't on wood real Don't quick.
4: even put it in the atmosphere. BK. If anything
0: were to take place, if anything were to happen, you, you want Nolan Gorman to still have his skills at third because that is his natural position. Yeah, doesn't matter. So I would imagine he's spending the majority of his time at second, but let's keep you fresh just mm-hmm. in case. We, we, you've got the ability to play a third in a pinch if needed. No, nope, they're,
4: nope, they're just saying. Don't
0: do that. Yeah, don't, don't you put don't, that on you're, me. You're the don't one who just said it. Do don't that. you dare do that. Don't you try to be me. I'm,
4: I'm not even playing tinfoil music for this because I don't want to hear it. He's just doing third base because they got to get everyone in at second base, and they're telling Nolan, don't worry about the outfield. You're a second baseman, so go get some reps at third base to work on your second base game.
0: Also, I don't know if you noticed it, but Gary LaRoc mentioned at the end there, hey, you know I love talking about everybody, but let me tell you about one specific player who's been really good down so far. Oh, the next the, uh, Molina? In Florida. It was Yvonne
4: Herrera. I don't think that is by accident. Or, this would be tinfoil music, or... He knows Cardinals fans just want to hear that name. So he's going to get them hyped up. A mm. I mean, good at his job, right? With Alex Ferrario
0: and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in 15 minutes, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line. We'll get into some questions and answers coming up next. The Blues' fate is truly in their own hands. Is Alex Ferrario believing? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the
2: BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
6: If they can't take it to this team, and you can't see it in this game tonight that this Blues team wants to be in the playoffs. They want to finish on a high note last 13 games. You know, to me, you can look ahead at the the rest of the schedule, the Minnesotas, the Vegases, the Kings, all those guys. But to me, it comes down to not just the outcome of this game, but how they play. And, and I just think that you have to be able to see it. If you don't see it, then where's that flicker going to be in the rest of the games?
0: It's a great point by Jeremy Rutherford who joined Carricker and Smallman earlier today with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. The Coyotes are really, really, really trying to hand the blues, the West division. They have lost seven
1: of their last eight games.
4: Everybody in the everybody below the Blues and the Coyotes are trying to hand the other team the division.
1: Well, that's sure nice of them. The <laughs> only game
4: that the Coyotes
0: have won in their last eight opportunities Don't was the it. game they uh, played head-to-head against the Blues. Damn. The Blues now have four games in hand, and they're just a point behind the Coyotes in the playoff race. Basically, this is there for the taking. It is, they, you know, the whole they control their own destiny narrative. That is very much real for the Blues right now. So, Alex, the Blues, the schedule has officially been fleshed out. They got a bunch of games coming up against the Avalanche. It starts tonight. Blues versus Avalanche pregame coverage with you coming up at 6 o'clock oh, on your you home had it for the tonight. Blues 101 ESPN. Is that a mix-up?
4: Yeah, BK was on it tonight, I thought. Oh.
0: Is this a must-win? Is this a must-win for the Blues, given how much time they've had off, given the fact that the Avalanche are going through their COVID situation, they're without their starting goalie, they're without two other players as well, at least as far as we know. Their leading goal scorer. <laughs> How significant is this one in particular for the Blues?
4: Define must-win, because in my opinion, every game from now until the end of the season is a must-win. Like, you have 13 games that are must-wins. If you lose, you're giving the other team an opportunity to overtake you. Here's where I'm at, and Joey and I talked about this last night on This Week in Hockey. I'm not as concerned about the Arizona Coyotes as I'm concerned about the LA Kings. The L.A. Kings are this in this whole division I know. after the third-best well, team stinks. Look, Arizona's, <laughs> no, Arizona's, so Arizona's not playing well. We all can agree upon that. Well, remember when Alex tried to convince us that this was going to be, like, the toughest division in the world? What the hell, man? I mean, technically <laughs> it is when it comes to playing each other, but, you know, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll give
1: them some credit. Yeah. Minnesota, Colorado, Vegas, they're all pretty they're good. pretty
4: damn tough. Look, Arizona's got... Two games against the Vegas Golden Knights, which is not going to go pretty. They got two games against the L.A. Kings. I'm sorry, three games against the L.A. Kings and three games against the Sharks. That's not a horrible schedule, but look at the Kings schedule. They have five games against the Anaheim Ducks, three games against the Arizona Coyotes. Now, they do have four games against the Colorado Avalanche, but here's the part that gets me. And I was looking at this last night because this is where I like nerd out. This is me and BK with XBO percentage plus. Ex Woba bacon. Uh, This is going to be over my head.
1: This is going to be over everyone's
4: head. So, Arizona's played 47 games. Both the Blues and the Kings have four games in hand on the Coyotes. The Sharks have played 46. I don't really care. The Sharks are not good. They're terrible. This comes down to the Blues and the Kings, in my opinion. And let's not forget that the Blues play the Kings on May 10th. Oh, God. That Monday of the last week of the season before they play Minnesota, while the Kings would play the Avalanche. So, is this a must win? Yeah. If you want to play better, but I mean, there's going to be ample opportunities for you to get into the postseason up until the end of the season. So that's why if they lose, it's not going to be pretty, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, there goes the season because for me, the last week of the season, May 10th is the date that I'm circling and saying, if you want to make the playoffs, you better beat that team on that game. Yeah, it's must win for me. Oh, okay, it's, it's well, must win. It, you know, February 1st was must win for you because <laughs> well, you hate the Blues. Okay, stop. Um, it's must win
0: because. It, it it's all there for the taking for you. Like right before the trade deadline, we said those three games prior. Hey, this is your opportunity to prove to your general manager that he should stand pat. Well, what they do, they went three and zero, and they played really well against three or against two really good opponents with Vegas in Minnesota. Well, now Colorado is missing two of their best players, two of their most important players, and their starting goalie, and as you said, their leading goal scorer. And you've got them tonight coming off of four days rest. You're also right now watching Arizona fumble the ball repeatedly while they're just trying to cross the goal line. And they're just like, they're, you're the defense and they are literally handing you the ball so you can go the other direction and go score. Is that
4: what you looked like in football, Tanner, when you played? That's what I looked like. Remember, I, I told say, you hey, I'm not, not a very good football of player. of the group. No.
0: The Blues need to take advantage. At yeah. a certain point, it comes down to not what Arizona is doing, not what LA's doing. Forget what Anaheim and San Jose are doing. I don't care. The Blues need to play better. And tonight, the only thing I care about is them playing 60 strong minutes. And that sounds super simplistic, but it's simplistic
4: because it's something that the Blues have failed to do far too often, especially of late. What if they play... 45 minutes and win. That's what we've seen. But what if they, no, we've seen 40 minutes. What if you get good five minutes in the second period and then they win? Could be the difference maker. Could be the difference maker. Maybe it is. Um, I doubt it, though. I just want to see them from start to
0: finish buzz around, play blues hockey, yeah. get in on the four check, dump it in, have sustained offensive zone pressure. Like just look like the damn
4: blues again. You know what it's I want it's been too long. You know what I want to see? And I will agree with you on that. Like the only thing that matters right now, and that would go into the terms of, yeah, it's a must win. The only thing that matters is them playing a full sixty minutes and then playing better and them getting the effort from their top players. You know what I want to see? I want to see this team play pissed off and I'm going to have an audio bite on pregame tonight from Marco Scandella talking about it. He has the right mindset. Certain guys have the right mindset. Other guys don't. So it's a matter of getting that buy-in out of the entire group. But from puck drop... You need to go out there and recognize the fact that this team's walked all over you this season. Now, you've played them well the last few games, but you still have letting them beat you nonstop. Go back to last season. You beat Colorado every time you played against them. Go back to the year prior. You beat Colorado nonstop you got to go out there and you got to take it to the team if you want to be in the playoffs so that's what i need to see and we need to see it in the second period
0: craig berube was asked yesterday during his uh availability how the blues can pull this together with their performance on the ice
6: you know we've always been the type of team where we possess the puck and hang on to it and you know get good line changes and wear teams down and and uh you know shut them down defensively, but with uh, being tight with five people um, in all three zones, and, you know, that's that's how we play. You know, like I said, we do it, but we don't do it consistently. we get that mindset to do it for 60 minutes, you know, we're going to win hockey games that way. He
4: said that's how we play. It's how they should play. That's how they played in certain games and periods. And that's, at their best, how they do play.
0: They haven't played like that enough, especially over the last six weeks or so. So I want to believe in this team. I really do. And Arizona is opening things up to allow me to have a little bit of hope again. But I need to see it eventually. I need to see what Craig Berube talking about. That team, that identity that he is describing there, that is the 2019 Blues. That was for large parts of the season up until the bubble, the 2020 Blues. It hasn't often enough been the 2021 blues. Now you've got about three weeks left in the season. Let's see that come back and show itself again, because when they play that style, they can beat anybody, including especially the Colorado Avalanche, not at full strength.
4: Yeah, and that's why I think you do have to focus in on that, because it's not just tonight. They're not going to have these guys on Saturday either, so you need to go out here and recognize the fact that this is four points up for grabs, an eight-point swing, because Arizona doesn't play until Saturday, and they play the L.A. Kings. So you take advantage of something like this. The way that I look at this for the Blues is, Get into the playoffs. Don't just be given the playoffs. And that's kind of that's what's going to make a difference of them competing in the playoffs or them just getting bounced in the first round. Hey, earn it. Go yeah. earn
0: it. The, you, the opportunity is right there for you. Now it's up to you to be able to go out there and take it. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line. Questions and answers coming up next.
7: You need to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill them. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
0: 65780 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers let's start with this one from the 314 guys Justin Williams has been playing really well he made a great defensive play yesterday that saved a couple of runs when Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill are back if Justin Williams keeps playing this way do you think that he continues to play in the outfield
4: yes Uh, Because I think it plays itself out. You know, it's the cliche saying we hear in sports. It'll work itself out. Tyler O'Neal is going to come back, which is going to force Tommy Edmund back to second base. We'll talk about that a
0: little bit more coming up here in a few minutes. Tyler
4: O'Neal is going to get ample playing time along with Justin Williams until Harrison Bader returns. Because we still don't know Harrison Bader. We really haven't heard an update on him. So I'm looking at a couple of weeks of Tyler O'Neill getting consistent A.B.'s along with Justin Williams. The weak link from those two will sit once Harrison Bader comes back, and then it will be if you hit, you play in the outfield, in my opinion.
1: I think I agree with you. I think both will get the opportunity until Bader comes back. When Bader comes back, though, I think we're going to see a platoon the left between Williams and Tyler O'Neill. I think so,
0: too. I think it comes down to who's hitting, right? If you hit, you play. That's the mantra for the team in 2021. And so far, Justin Williams has hit in his last 10 games without uh, Tyler O'Neill out there. He's been batting. I think it's like 290. Yeah, 290 with six walks and two, two home runs. He's taken advantage of the opportunity that's been there for him. So he can continue playing whenever, as long as that continues to be the case. 65780 is the air comfort service text line from the 618. Guys, is it a problem that we are almost 20 games in And the Cardinals are tied for last place in the NL Central with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. It ain't great, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Not great, Bob. The problem is less so the fact that they are tied with the Pirates in the standings to me, and more so the fact that the Cardinals and the Pirates have allowed the same number of runs through the first 18 games of the season. That shouldn't be the case. The Cardinals have scored 15 more runs than the Pirates. They have allowed one fewer. <laughs> that, that is not sustainable, and that speaks to how bad the pitching was for the Cardinals early on in the season. It is stabilized in, in recent days, but that's the one thing that really has to pick up moving forward.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it is concerning. Maybe not so much the fact that you are... – let me rephrase that. It is concerning. You're tied with Pittsburgh right now. That number that you read, BK, is very concerning but the way that the Brewers and the Reds are playing it adds to that and the fact that you haven't won a series minus the Marlins and I said yesterday the way the Marlins are playing right now I don't know if you would win that series you definitely wouldn't get a sweep so it does add to the concerns of not winning these series it's the fifth straight I believe if I'm not mistaken so yeah I am a little concerned that you haven't won a series minus the Marlins one so far this year did
0: you guys know the Cubs are ahead of the Cardinals right now technically like, I know it's super early. Are, to you, be looking point? At are you going percentage standings? win
4: percentage wise? Or? Yeah,
0: they're, they're a half a game up because they have played one fewer game and have one fewer loss than the Cardinals. But I mean, you just look at some of the stats. The Cubs are historically bad when it comes to their offense. It literally pitchers.
4: That's, that's why I mean, you could sit here and say that it's not sustainable. But look, I mean, the track record now is you've lost five series.
0: Javi Baez has 31 strikeouts and one walk on the season and the Cubs have a better record and the Cardinals, too. That, that is stunning to me. Absolutely stunning. If you would have told me that before the season, I would have been like, there's no way. No way that that is the case.
4: Well, it's stunning that Matt Carpenter hit twice with the bases <laughs> <Okay>. loaded yesterday. <laughs> okay.
0: 65780 oh is the Air Comfort Service X line from the 217. Guys, it sounds like Robert Thomas has a pretty good shot of playing on Saturday. If he does, who do you think goes to the bench for the Blues, Alex Ferrario?
4: This is an interesting one because... You're not sitting Sammy Blake. He's got goals in his two last games. Mm-hmm. Burby didn't even touch that line. You're not touching the Schwartz-Bozak-Tarasenko line. No. Um, you're not touching Shen. Shen will be playing with Kairu, And if I'm not mistaken, Hoffman. Right now, My guess would be it's either going to come down to Jordan Kairou or Zach Sanford. You would move Kairu back down to that fourth line potentially? Depending on how he plays. And if he's... What well, if he's good tonight? Then you keep him there because you're you're testing this line. That's what I'm saying. What if what if Kyru is good tonight? Then, then I what? think you put Robert Thomas on that fourth line. Wow. And it also depends on what happens with the Bozak line too, though. I mean, if Bozak and Tarasenko and Schwartz are performing, then maybe you shift Bozak down and you put Thomas there. Guys, Thomas has not had a great season. He's been injured a lot. And it might not be crazy to put Robert Thomas on a fourth line to try and get some offense and have him play the wing with Ivan Barbashev. And you know what? Maybe you sit Kyle Clifford and you put Zach Sanford on that wing, or maybe you sit Sanford and you keep Kyle Clifford there. But I don't think it's outlandish to put Robert Thomas on that fourth line. If the other lines perform, there's that big if because if one of those lines doesn't do anything, then you're going to shift things up. And honestly, Jordan Cairo's getting in Mike Hoffman territory. Do you sit in my coffin? No. God, no. He's been scoring goals for you. I know. He's got four goals. Are you still trying to get the guy traded? You can't <laughs> even get traded anymore. <laughs> You're still trying to get the guy traded. Although I will tell you this. JR is not wrong. If you've heard his post game press conferences, and maybe he's just being like that because he doesn't want to answer questions, but it definitely sounds like a guy who thought he was going to be traded. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it? Oh, oh definitely. How could yeah. he not? Right. Everybody thought he was going to be traded No, you don't sit Mike Hoffman Because this is like throwing a raw steak in front of a pit bull Like Mike Hoffman knows he's got 13 games left in the season That is going to dictate what he signs for this offseason So if I'm him, I need 20 goals by the end of this season And I think he's what, six away? No, I'm not sitting Mike Hoffman He's not getting six more goals this year He's
0: got four in three games He's not getting six more want to put money on it? Yeah, put money on it. I'll have still
4: $10. $10. You want to put his $10 on it? Absolutely.
0: No, not my $10. We'll put 20 on it. 20 that, that he Hall gets 6 more goals. 6
1: goals the rest of this year?
0: That ain't happening.
1: Mark it down. Mark
0: that it ain't works. happening. 11.57. He, he he will not be he will not lead this team in scoring the rest of the year. No chance. <laughs>
4: No oh, chance. Looks like I just made 30 bucks. Go prove me wrong, Mike Hoffman. Go score 12 goals. You, he bet your $10 too, by the way, no,
0: Tanner.
1: No, you still owe me $10. No, I, I don't remember saying that.
0: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service <laughs> X line for questions and answers. All right, I have a question for you guys. <laughs> so, I shall
1: try to provide an answer. Last night. Like I shall try and provide <laughs> you an answer.
4: Well, because he's old. We know this. Very old.
0: Last night. Kara said, hey, can we go to Target real quick? I got to grab one thing. We went out to Cugino's, fantastic spot out in the North County. I you just said you went to Target. Ooh, we went to Cugino's together, grabbed some dinner, and then she said, hey, I got to go to Target. Cool if I grab something. Like, of course, let's go grab something. So we went to Target. There was one thing she needed, one. We did not get that one thing. They did not have it. We still ended up spending $200 in Target. Guys, why is it impossible to go to Target without spending $200? Like, every time you walk into the door, you're spending $100 to $200 at Target. Guaranteed, if you go with your wife. Guaranteed, you guys will walk in and walk out, not by the thing that you went for, and you will spend way more money than you were ever expecting well, to. Well, it's
4: not guaranteed because I have self-control. <laughs> I go there all the Way time with. Ferrario. I go there all the time with my wife, and she says, "Hey, can we get this?" I said, "No, we're here to get diapers. We get diapers, and we walk out of the building." I don't run, I don't have money like you do though, because oh, you just got saying. a new house. Yeah. You know, you get raises all the time. I, I don't have that kind of money. You get raises all the time. <laughs> so let me ask this what was it that she went for? Because I think that's important. God. What did we go? I don't even, at this point, I
0: don't think together. What I, I sp-
1: I'm more uh, curious wait. what the
0: $200 was well, spent on. Yeah, We're, that's true also. <laughs> don't need to get Whoa. into that. Uh, we- you spent $200 on that? The box of them's like $5. Well,. A lot of boxes of them Um, We were supposed to We have a uh, We have a pajama party that we're going to on Saturday Pajama party Yeah 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 yeah. Uh, We were supposed to get matching clothes You know because that's what you do when you're engaged Apparently nowadays Uh, They did not have anything Available so we ended up Going to uh, grab like 15 other things that we didn't Need
4: 657 BK you know. totally spent all the money and blamed it on his wife. <laughs> oh true. god, that's so true.
0: Somebody said enjoy the married life BK, you're already getting prepared. Yeah, exactly. this is
4: this is how it is. You cannot that's why I ask what you guys went for, because if you're going for something, you go in, you go specifically to where that item is, you, you grab it, and you turn around. Somebody, you don't go on the tour there's of There's no moseying through Target. Somebody said, BK, you can't let her stop. You got to keep moving, yeah. man. Keep that head it's, down, head on a swivel. It's <laughs> like what my wife does with me when I go to Costco with her, when we got to go grocery shopping. We have a list of five items that we go in there for, and she's like, nope, next item. And I'm like, oh, well, let's look. Nope, next item. Because otherwise, I'm walking out $400 spent. Man. Gotta have self-control, man. Somebody said who wears the pants in this relationship. Did you not hear that I just told you <laughs> after, that we went to Target? <laughs> after hearing about the pajama party, BK has a joint Facebook account. You're so you guys are gonna have a BK and Kara Facebook account, aren't you? Oh, I'm sure something
0: about that is uh, It's already in the works Somebody said if BK's future father-in-law had any sense He would have
4: shut this thing down and Oh, come on. <laughs> No, that's not nice, Kara's a wonderful person BK's a, a good guy You didn't sound sincere about that at all
0: no. oh, Not even a little bit of sincerity
4: Guys, big news, the Coyotes are trying Even harder to get the Blues to To take over the playoff spot Connor Garland's out for a week. Are you serious? Yeah. This is ridiculous. All right, playoffs. Here we come, boys. Does anybody in this damn
0: division want to, want to win? Go to the playoffs? And wanted about
4: as much as you want to save money when you go to Target.
0: Well, that's a good point. That's a great point. Somebody said great idea to have a party during COVID. Come on, man. I'm vaccinated. We, I'm, I'm, Are you taking
4: Kara's last name?
0: Thought about it, you guys hypenating it, yeah, hypenating it. (laughs) Coming up next, the Matt Carpenter noise is only growing louder.
4: What carp, 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 carp. carp.
0: I think I'm going to have to go ahead and resign my position. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK
2: and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. two out bases loaded chance to get out of it here if he can get matt carpenter upstairs swing and a miss and max scherzer
3: does what max does best the strikeout said a guy that you know is hitting the ball hard but um but we also recognize that people expect results out of this organization and this team and we we expect them as well but you know we also know over the course of our experiences what tends to work over a period of time and we also know we're in April.
2: That'll load the bases for Matt Carpenter. And Carpenter hits it well to right, but Stevenson is there. And the Cardinals leave him loaded.
3: Puts a good swing on it and lines out right to the guy. You know, that ball's in a gap. We're having a different conversation, but there's some butts, right?
4: Let Carp cook! Let Carp cook! As you a- it all you want,
0: but I know where this segment's going. Well, they let Carp cook yesterday. And he looked cooked. They they left the oven on way too long. That audio, courtesy of Nationals Radio and Bally Sports Midwest yesterday, Matt Carpenter took two at-bats with the bases loaded. First came in the first inning. Bases loaded, two out. Struck out swinging. Then again in the eighth inning. Bases loaded, two out. Another fly out. He's now, cooking now. It did come off the bat at 101 miles per hour. And according to StatCast, that is a hit 70% of the time. But for Matt Carpenter, it's just not falling for him. And guys, we got to have a conversation here because I'm starting to find myself agreeing with what Randy Carricker said earlier this morning on Carricker and Smallman. At some point, <laughs> you have to say,
3: it ain't happening,
4: and Set make it. a change. Set and.
3: It. I love Matt Carpenter. We talked ad nauseum
6: about how much we love the history of Matt Carpenter. I love the fact that he has great exit velocity. You know what? He stepped to the plate 45 times and he struck out 13. Yep. What the hell kind of exit velocity are you getting out of whiff?
3: Zero. Whiff, as Tony Lewis used to say about Ron Gant. All he did was whiff, whiff, whiff.
6: Yep. I'm tired of the exit velocity. Amen. thing. I
4: want to see runs. I want to see numbers. Damn right, Randy Carricker. Someone must have been listening to BK and Ferrario. <laughs> well, the Ferrario part at least. Yeah. Not the Tanner
1: and BK part. Just so we're clear, I left the... Uh, no, you did You started this group you and check, you are you can, still you can, on board. I started the group, but I left yesterday. You can check out the audiogram on Twitter at 101ESPN.
4: <laughs> Look, Randy said it there. I, I mean, I, I
1: love the fact that
4: you were so high on hard hit rate and barrel percentage and being the top to Major League first. Baseball.
1: Uh,
4: <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because of the strikeouts. He hit the ball hard with the bases loaded in the eighth. You know what that got them? Out? A one nothing loss. Oh. He struck out with Max Scherzer in the first inning. Now, so did Dylan Carlson. But you know what that struck out got him? No run scored. Like This has been the problem. You can hit the ball hard. I think he would be a superb pinch hitter for this team. Because he comes up in big time situations. What? Well, the fact that the three hits he's got, maybe he's laying down a bunt single when he needs to do. Or maybe he's going to hit a home run but he's not an everyday player who's going to see four or three at bats because he's going to strike out two of those times. So
0: that's why I don't think he would be a great pinch hitter either. He's striking out way too much. He's not putting the ball into play uh, enough. Okay. And all of the underlying numbers, the same stuff that we were talking about two weeks ago, it's still there. 96th percentile and average exit velocity, which means there's only 4% of players in major league baseball that when they hit the ball on average, they hit it harder than Matt Carpenter. 96% of the other dudes, Matt Carpenter's hitting it harder than them. His expected slugging percentage is at the 90th percentile. His barrel rate, he's one of the best in all of baseball so far this year. He's not chasing the ball, but he is swinging and missing way too often. I i am at a loss at this point, point. and when I heard Mike Schilt last night on his reaction to Carpenter's struggles, I feel like he is starting to get to the same place where I am at right now as well.
3: I don't have a great answer for, you know, any more that Matt Carpenter can do, and you know, like I said, if he was taking at bats that weren't looking good and timing was right, not right, he's rolling over and getting beat and you know doing some of the things that that are indicative of a guy not swinging the bat well. You'd have a hard time running him back out there. But gosh darn, you know, the guys the guys hitting balls square and and uh, we do recognize the shift as a part of it. But so it's uh, it's definitely frustrating for him, and we'll continue to to see what it looks
4: like. Can we get a little clip of him saying "gosh darn" and then laughing because that needs to be a drop at some point this show today, but. I mean, you can say that he sounds like a guy who's starting to be on the, the cook Carp movement. But at the end of it, it sure didn't seem like it. It sure seems like a guy that's thinking, well, he's doing everything right. We're going to probably go back to him. You can't do that anymore. Like at some point, at some point, give the guy a break. <laughs> like, damn, like I can only imagine what Mark Matt Carpenter is going through right now. I mean, did you see the frustration on his face when he struck out in that yeah. first inning against Scherzer? That's a guy who he's looks. wearing it. Yeah, like that's a guy who looks like he is wearing a gorilla playing a piano on top of a skyscraper, all on his shoulders. Give the guy a break. Give him a week off so he can just take a breath and then utilize him in a
1: situation. Was that a movie reference I didn't get? No, it's a monkey on his shoulders. But yeah, it's just when your uh, monkey's on the he's shoulder. He's got a lot of weight. Yeah, he's I playing he's a lot of piano to on
4: top of a skyscraper. Yeah. It's a lot on your I shoulders. Thought, I get that there's a lot. Tanner is both I just the oldest and the youngest back. person
0: I've ever met yeah. in my life
4: somehow simultaneously I, I, it's incredible right I feel, I feel like when we talk to Tanner we have to like talk like old timey with him like hey buddy the gorilla playing the uh, grand piano on top of the skyscraper huh
0: it's got you've got to have the gosh darn that you uh, just no. heard there from oh ho, 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 gosh darn ho, ho!
1: yeah come on gosh darn gosh darn
0: oh <laughs> god I love shield um, you mentioned that eventually you've got to be able to just sit him and I think that time is now I was the leader of the pack with the Let Carp Cook movement.
1: I can't believe this.
0: Hey, be quiet. This is
4: for my montage tomorrow.
0: Let Carp Cook. Carp's cooked. It's over. It's done. It's not changing. And Tyler O'Neal returns to the lineup tomorrow. And when Tyler O'Neill was out, which is going back since April 10th, since then, Austin Dean is 5 for 15. He's batting 333 in that, in that time span. Dylan Carlson, 10 for 35, batting 286. Tommy Edmond, 13 for 46. He's batting 300. Justin Williams, 9 for 31, batting 290. And Matt Carpenter was 3 for 27. He's batting 111 with one walk and one homer. He has been clearly and without question the least productive player that has filled in for any amount of time at second base or in the outfield while Tyler O'Neal was out. So if you're going to say, hey, one guy has to lose his spot in this rotation, it's very clear who that guy needs to be. It is Matt Carpenter. He can no longer be a part of the rotation. Tyler O'Neill, I think, is at risk of potentially playing himself into this same scenario eventually. If he continues to go four for 28 with 14 strikeouts the way that he did to start the season. But Matt Carpenter has been hitting the ball really hard, but he's hitting it right to guys every single time. You cannot continue to bat less than 100 on the season and get everyday opportunities. I I want to see it there for him. I believe in the numbers, but eventually I've got to go with my eye test as well. And the eye test just has not been good for Matt Carpenter.
4: Uh, again, I have no issue with him being a bench player for you because I do believe he can be a pinch hitter. And yes, the strikeouts don't look pretty, but you know what? That's what you do with the pinch hit. You take that shot at one time in the game, and really there's no other better options for you as a pinch hitter coming off of the bench. I mean, you got Andrew Kisner and at the time Austin, you're going Dean's to have a better option right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But Austin Dean should be getting opportunities to play. And when it comes down to the line, you're going to go through kind of a a depth chart of guys who are going to pinch hit before Matt Carpenter. But he's still a reliable bat for you. He's a lefty off of the bench. Utilize it that way. Stop putting him in a situation where you expect him to perform three out of four times. It's not going to happen.
1: I think his numbers are going to get worse if he's not playing every day. And I know that's hard to believe, but you're just not not in that routine. to get worse from 069. But you're just not in that routine. You're not going out there every day. That's the hardest part of the bench guy, as as we've heard in the past. You you look at a guy like, and I know I say this guy a lot, but he's a guy that always sticks out in my head, Jed Jerko. When Jed Jerko was in the lineup... He hit the ball. He played really well. When he came off the bench, he struggled because yeah, but, he's not getting consistent. Well, you at can bat. do it off of
4: the bench. Matt Adams was a perfect example of it. He could come off of the bench and not play for a week, and then get you a big time hit.
1: Yeah, but I don't think Matt Carpenter has that ability in him.
4: I do. If it's the Matt Carpenter of before, where he can be patient with the pitches and try and work the count a little but bit. If
1: we're gonna, if if that's the Matt Carpenter we're gonna get, then that's the Matt Carpenter that should start. That's true.
0: If he ends up if we start seeing some of what you're talking about, Alex, if he reverts back to his old self, he is going to start getting in the lineup more and more. And so this is this is kind of the double edged sword, right? If he ends up playing better producing, if you hit your play, he ends up back in the lineup. If he doesn't, he's sitting on your bench. He does get into these high leverage situations where he's pinch hitting for somebody. He strikes out. He ends up lining out the way that he has. And you're back into the same spot. It is. It is a real conundrum for the Cardinals right now. And I legitimately don't know what to do other than you sit him. You don't start him every day anymore for the foreseeable future. You try pinch hitting him here and there. And maybe he does get a couple opportunities. Maybe you need a day off early on when Tyler O'Neal is coming back. You you play him against a guy that he's had a lot of success against in the past. He'll he'll get his spots here and there. But this was Matt Carpenter's opportunity. He had a real shot to be able to run with this thing while Tyler O'Neill was out. He didn't do it. Three for twenty seven, one
4: walk, one homer, and struck out a ton. Yeah. From the six three six, if it was Goldie, you guys would be saying leave him in there, he'll start hits will start to fall. No, we wouldn't. I would. Yeah, because Paul Goldschmidt well, yeah, has a the track record. Of, and the back of the baseball card yeah. says that Paul Goldschmidt, the back of the baseball card for Matt Carpenter in the last three years has been the same thing. So yeah. that's a complete, like, you can't compare the two.
0: Yeah, I mean, no. the guys that I would trust to get through something like this are basically Dylan Carlson, because he's your future, and so you're going to play him every day, and you're just going to hope that he can work through it. Um, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and maybe Tommy Edmund would be My in own, that category right. for me as well. And Yadier Molina would be DeYoung, out there.
4: Because Paul DeYoung is going to be playing. Sure. I don't know
0: that I would trust that he would be getting out of this kind of a... a sh- spurt offensively but
4: well, it comes down to the uh, the guys that I wouldn't be would saying be out there the guys that I wouldn't be saying that about the guys that are in the same category as Matt Carpenter are Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader and Justin Williams and yeah. guess what those guys are hitting well one guy is hitting with Alex Ferrario and Tanner
0: Hendrickson I'm Brandon Kylie coming up in 15 minutes or so who is the best current NFL quarterback that you would be willing to trade straight up for the number one overall pick it's an interesting hypothetical we'll get into that in 15 minutes Joey Vitale joins us next
2: This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org.
0: and I'm Brandon Kylie. Very happy to go out to the Browning Group and Celebrity Line for our Blues analyst, Joey Vitale. Joey, how you doing, man?
6: BK, doing good, man. Driving home, caught the Blues pregame this morning. Uh, believe it or not, I was driving home. Get this. I I'll, I'll, I'll love to get your guys' opinion on this one. Driving home, there's a stoppage at Manchester. Literally out of nowhere, Always. cars just come to a stop. No, but there's no light or anything. So, everyone, so I'm driving along, driving along, my, my own, all of a sudden, it's like, great. I'm like, whoa! So I slow down. What the heck is going on up here? Was there an accident? I finally get to the front. There's two geese crossing the road, and here I am thinking... All right, listen. Like, I'm all about animals. I love animals to death. Run them over, at what Joe. Point, no. At what There's got to be some animals you are like, hell with it. You got to run them <laughs> over because the risk for getting hit oh, is you know, way too valuable. And you know what
4: animal that is, Joe? It's an animal that will try and kill you if you try and help it across the street, and that
6: would be geese. Yeah, the wings stand I, mean, and the, I can't sign I, off I on this. this. I can't sign someone, off on this. Someone once told me if a goose <laughs> <laughs> flaps you with their. Flaps you, flaps you, hits you with their wing. It's the same velocity of like if Mark McGuire were to hit you with a baseball bat while you're holding a phone book on your head. I don't know where they came up with this, but (laughs) that's the truth. But I was thinking as I was driving away, almost getting an accident, there has to be a line with drivers where you're looking at animals crossing the road and you're saying, I'm going to hit that. Or I'm not going to hit that. Well, like a dog crossing the road, I'm like, I'm not going to hit that no. dog. I'm going to slow down. But a goose? I mean, that, yeah. that's one of those borderline ones, guys.
4: Well, uh, don't they tell you when you come across a deer, you're supposed to hit the
6: deer rather than try and swerve out of the way of the deer? I, I've heard that. I have absolutely heard that. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of truth to that because you can actually do more harm to yourself yeah. probably by swerving. By just slowing down and hitting the deer but yeah some of yeah, us are true.
0: broke though joe and i can't deal with the whole i got to get my entire car repaired uh uh-uh. yeah because bk
4: can't <laughs> can't repair a car joe yeah, i don't need that
6: <laughs> well and i know and coming to and from kansas city on highway 70 there's a lot of deer especially around you know especially on that rut time in november that's when all the deer are mating and everything so you gotta be careful especially around november i always tell people November, you really got to be careful on those highways because those male deer, they're kind of running crazy. And right now, believe it or not, those turkeys, the turkeys are in that kind of rut. They're starting to mate with the with the hens. So they're kind of flying all over the place, a little bit off the radar as well. So heads up for those black birds.
4: Okay, now I know we're supposed to get into hockey, but did anybody else know that turkeys mate with hens? I did not. <laughs> I got to be honest with Joe, you. Joe, there, there, there's no way that's a serious thing.
6: Yes, toms and hens. There's the turkey toms, those are the males, and then there's the hens. You know, and that's how... If turkey you Tom turkey, is a great like, sandwich. Oh, oh, my God. Let's talk about Jimmy John's. <laughs> like, I know they're not a, probably a sponsor of this radio station, but they are literally the fastest people on the face of this planet. I will hang up with Jimmy John's, get the Turkey Tom with mayo, just like you, BK. I will hang up and I'll be like, ding dong. i like, who the hell is that? It must be the FedEx guy with my wife's 13th Amazon box today. <laughs> no, it's Jimmy John's. I'm like, oh, my God, that is the most fastest thing in the world. But, no, like, right now, so there's the toms and there's the hens. And if you haven't gone turkey hunting, do yourself a favor go out there. It's one of the coolest huntings because you're actually communicating with the animals. In order to get a tom to come in with his big beard and strutting feathers, you actually got to imitate a hen. with like. going, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you hear them go, and they go nuts. And they get closer and closer. You put out a couple of decoys. And talk about a heart pounding out of your chest. Turkey hunting, to me, spring is the best.
4: <laughs> That's incredible. Well, Joe, speaking of freaky fast, Cardinals are taking on a team that's freaky fast tonight. I think the blues. That's called a transition, boys. Colorado Avalanche. Now they are going to be without Miko Ranson and, and of course Philip Grubauer. Cardinals not in action tonight. <laughs> blues yeah, take it. Did I say Cardinals?
0: Yeah. Did I say Cardinals? Cardinals are facing the avalanche tonight.
6: We are screwed. Damn, guys, I was
4: so excited for the transition, I forgot I know, that we were are, doing it.
0: Are we playing baseball or hockey? Because I feel
6: like the Cardinals might do all right if we're playing baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, yeah if, if, if the Avalanche is playing the Cardinals of baseball, we're going to be just fine, but so I'm tearing out. The Cardinals right. are playing hockey as the Avalanche. We are All right, you know fun. what?
4: You know what, Joe? take two. Blues You're are good, playing man. Colorado without ranting And What the hell's going on tonight?
6: Well, i tell you what. I just left the morning skate, and the, the vibes are good. The energy is up for the morning skate. They had it at 17. Craig Bruby decided to go a different morning skate, different venue a couple weeks ago. It's had a lot of, a bit of success. There's John Kelly walking down the street here in Kirkwood. Don't a hit him like you're going to hit the geese. No, you don't want to hit that old man. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, so this is a Colorado team tonight that, uh, one end, is definitely rested because they've been dealing with this COVID stuff. But they are missing some big time players. Miko Ranson is leading their team in goals right now. He's a force. He's a big left winger on that left side. He's tough to move. He's great on the power play. He will not be in the lineup. Uh, Don score a player they got from San Jose, is having an absolute bullet of a season. He's been just on fire as far as lighting the lamp as well. So he's going to be out. And then Philip Grubauer, the goaltender who's been really pretty much just stealing the show, who's going to be up for some awards at the end of this year. He's going to be out as well. You look at the goaltending position, whether it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, you look at uh, that, Johansson, the goaltender right there, Devin Dubnik is a, is a goaltender. The Blues have had the number on. So I think goaltender wise, the Blues can definitely have the edge here. Uh, but from a full team aspect, this is a this is one you want to take advantage of tonight because they're missing some big pieces.
0: Joey Vitale, Blues analyst for One Hundred and One ESPN, joining us for another couple of minutes here on BK and Ferrario. Uh, Joey, what needs to happen for the Blues to be able to correct their second period issues, especially tonight against Colorado Avalanche? Who, I mean, you know this as well as anybody. If you're not at the top of your game, they could put up four goals in five minutes if if you're not if you're not on it.
6: Well, you know, Alex and I, we kind of touched on this yesterday in our uh, uh, Blues Weekly uh, Hockey Show. Shout, Shout out. out! If you didn't hear it, check it in next week. We talked about how the starts have been so good for the Blues team, and that was the, kind of the area that needed a lot of focus going back about a month ago. Well, the, the starts have definitely improved. And this is how teams kind of continue to get better. We got the starts figured out. Now you got to figure out how to continue to make that push. I talked to Craig Berube about it this morning. He's happy with the starts. He's not happy about the second period. And for him to correct it, it's just about that focus on the bench, focus in the intermissions, and the push has got to stay on. It is the term they're going to continue to use on the bench. On the bench, excuse me. Keep the push going. Keep the push going. And how do you keep the push going, guys? It's just so simple. Uh, It's one of those things where it's simple, but it's not easy you have to continue to play aggressive. And that's something the team has just not done a very good job of for 60 minutes. He actually called upon, you know, Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, two of the most competitive guys in this lineup, the way they play, you know, there's no secret to why they've been so consistent all season long, period by period, game by game, month by month, they don't get hurt. They continue just to put up numbers and be these elite players because they're one word. According to Craig Ruby, they're aggressive. They have this aggressive, just competitive nature about them. And for Craig Ruby, He said that the rest of the team just really needs to kind of let that be contagious. Everyone needs to kind of pull a little bit from those top two guys. Continue that aggressive push in that second period because that's what's going to get you out of that mess.
4: Joe, I I wanted to ask you one more because I think this is – going to help this team. you got to stop touching the mic, well, man. Well, sorry, I'm pulling it <laughs> close. Jeez, I wanted to... The,
6: the one aspect... Jeez, rookie rookie uh, alert uh, on Alex These uh, Cardinals are playing the Blues. Keep messing with the mic. Come on, Alex. Get it together.
4: All right. I'm, I'm done with everyone. I wanted to ask another question. that <laughs>
0: was the third time it's happened in the last 20 minutes. I know.
4: I don't understand it. Okay. Anyway, Joe, Marco Scandella had a quote talking about coming out with some physicality and kind of being a little pissed off. And I, I think they have to do that against Colorado, uh, much like the the San Jose Sharks uh, in 2018 and that cup run, you know, they have smaller stature defensemen. And if you can play a little angry and play a little physical in their own zone, more uh, turnovers from
6: Colorado. Well, the physicality is going to be important, Alex, not only from an individual standpoint, but it's more more the, the identity of this team has to be physical from a from a full, you know, top four lines and, and six defensemen, even to the goaltender some aspects as far as that aggressiveness in front of the net. You have to play a full package physical game. And Why? Because Colorado, according to Chief this morning, saying they are probably the most aggressive team in the National Hockey League. Why? Because they send two guys everywhere. Everywhere there's a puck, they have two guys on it. Offensive zone, neutral zone, defensive zone. So the physicality, it just can't be Marco Scandelli going in there and smashing McKinnon. Because you know that Burakovsky, his new right winger tonight, is going to be right there to back him up. And you can't just have, you know, Torrey Krug and Marco Scandelli going. It's got to be the low centerman. It's got to be a full physical approach here tonight because with the aggressive nature of the two-man attack for Colorado in all three zones, if you have one guy, one and done, it ain't going to be good enough. If you have one line that's going to be physical, it's not going to be good enough. It's got to be a full four-line attack. It's got to be a four-six defenseman approach to that physicality. When you're doing that, then you're connected, and then physically you're on the same page where you can really shut down this Colorado team. And this is where I think the Blues could have an advantage when they face him tonight, and maybe if they even see him in that first round. You look at Colorado's back end. They've lost some physical pieces. The door went off to Chicago. Ian Cole is out of there. You look at Eric Johnson, who's still hurt. I mean, a year ago to, to this point, guys, you know Colorado was one of the more physical, heavy teams in the West. They lost those three big pieces on the back end, and physicality-wise, Colorado, I don't think they really can match the St. Louis Blues, so it could be an area of focus for Craig Burby and this team.
4: Joey, always a fun, always an informative interview, but you also have provided us with the probably most phenomenal drop that we're ever going to have on this show uh, with your impersonations that the text line seems to love. Take a listen.
6: Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you hear them go, and they go nuts. and they get.
4: Thank you for that, Joe.
6: Hey, you know what? I thought those were real turkeys. I got a pretty good turkey call. That's ball. what I'm Thanks, saying. Guys. You might have
4: just gotten more turkey toms to come to your house after that one.
6: Oh, freaky fast. See you
0: guys. <laughs> See you. man. appreciate you. That's Joey Vitale, Blues Analyst for 101 ESPN, joining us here on BK and Ferrario. Did you know that Joey hunts? Joey doesn't hunt. He doesn't hunt? He had a pretty damn good uh, turkey call for being a non-hunter. Are you a hunter? Joey, might, Joey no. might hunt. I don't think Joey hunts. Are you a
1: hunter? No. Do I look like a hunter?
0: Well, I you guys didn't even have to ask me like that. That was no. never in question.
1: You if you can't fix a tire, you can't yeah. kill a bird. <laughs> that's Amen actually, to that. that's Amen actually a good way to put that.
4: It. You heard how how against you were of running over that that goose that Joey was talking about. Yeah, man, I can't do that.
0: Would you guys actually do that? Like, if you're in the middle, if no. you've got a no. situation where it's I either I I, I've got dozens of cars behind me that are going to have to wait for this damn goose to get across the street. Or I gotta, I just gotta go. I wouldn't run over it. I would think I
4: would like try to get around get it, close to the goose to try and inch it more off of the road. That seems fair. I wouldn't be a psychopath and just. What if it doesn't move? Then I would try and go around it, and if it's not gonna move, then I might have to bump into it. Damn, <laughs> Alex. Has... Oh, it depends. You know, it depends. Like I, I, it, I drove home with a crying baby last night. And that might be the single most stressful thing in the world when you have a kid screaming in the back seat. So if Joe had one of those and a geese was in the way, I think Joe's, Joe's taking it out. I'm going to post this as a poll on Twitter at BK Sports Talk. This is the
2: BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. How much for the first overall pick? For the only kid who comes out of Pop Warner top rated into high school top rated into college top rated into
1: at least your next five. That's
7: five first rounders.
2: Yeah. Making less need even blush.
7: You know what that chance is? Zero point. Mm-hmm. Zero. Thanks. of happening. Well done. That was Rich Eisen
0: on the Rich Eisen show yesterday asking how much would it cost for somebody to trade up hypothetically to get the number one overall pick this year? Five first round picks. Sounds about right to me. It sounds crazy, but it also sounds about right to me to be able to acquire a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who is a legit can't-miss prospect. He has been the number one overall prospect basically since he was a sophomore in high school. Everybody's wanted a piece of Trevor Lawrence ever since. And he's done nothing but live up to every expectation since then. So I'm curious, guys. Like Nobody's going to be able to do this. But in a hypothetical scenario where the Jaguars said, hey, the highest bidder is able to get it, and all we want is for you to trade us straight up a franchise quarterback. We will take your franchise quarterback. You get the number one overall pick. Who is the best quarterback that you think they would be able to acquire? Because I think you could go ahead and write off. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is is in play. The Chiefs would say no to that. No chance they would do it. I wouldn't trade Russell Wilson straight up for um, Trevor Lawrence. I wouldn't trade if I'm the Bucks, Tom Brady, straight up for Trevor Lawrence because you're in a Super Bowl window. I want to go get a ring. Those are the only three guys to me that are like, there is no conversation to be had, would not do it. Do you guys agree with that starting point?
4: I think I would trade Russell Wilson uh, just because... I think the Seahawks might. I don't know that I would. I think I would, though, because I think he's getting older. Well, he is getting older. That's how age works. But I also like he hasn't gotten to that point in some time so I think I might be looking at a fresh start um, I agree with the Tom Brady because uh, there's no nothing better and I agree with the Patrick Mahomes part of me thinks I would put Josh Allen into that he was
0: another guy that I was gonna bring up
4: but yeah. if he if I he if Josh he was Allen on there. another team I wouldn't but because he's on the bills and like it seems like that system is molded around him if I were running the bills I wouldn't trade Josh Allen if that makes any yep. sense
1: I agree with you there. If I'm the Bills, I'm not trading Josh Allen. I'm not trading Russell Wilson. If I'm Seattle, I'm still trying to figure out how we can fix this quote-unquote broken relationship between us and the front office. You asked the question, BK, who's that number one guy I think you could get? Whether you like it or not, That number one guy might be Kyler Murray that's the guy that I think would be the number one guy you could get if you were to trade that number one pick.
0: So, so somebody on the text line says Deshaun Watson, I'm going to throw him out of this conversation yeah. entirely just because
1: everything a lot going
0: off on. the field yeah. ch- changes the conversation about Watson. So we're going to go ahead and throw him out as well. So you can go ahead and throw Ma- uh, Russ, Brady, Mahomes, Watson. Those are the four that are off the table. Everybody else, all other 28 starting quarterbacks, they're in the conversation. Josh Allen's really interesting. I think I would say no if I'm the Bills just because I feel like I am building something around him that I don't want to start over to get another guy now.
4: Yeah, and I don't know if Trevor Lawrence matches what they're doing with
0: Josh Allen. Maybe not. He might be better, though, in other ways, you know? Yeah. Um, The guys that I put down on my list, Tanner, to your point about uh, Kyler Murray maybe being the best option, the guys that I have as maybe being in that same conversation, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. I think those are the six or five guys, five guys to me, that would be maybe be the most intriguing candidates that you could get if you're the Jaguars out of that group. Where do you think the other teams would be, though? Do you think any of
4: those oh, are off limits for the I, opposition? If, if I'm the other, those other teams, I'm making that move right now. Any of them?
0: Even Justin Herbert. He's the one that I was... I'm not
1: moving Herbert. I'm not moving uh, Dak. I'm not moving Rodgers. Who else is on that list?
4: Lamar. Lamar and Kyler.
0: Kyler.
1: I might might consider Lamar. I'm
4: moving Herbert. I I mean, I I get that he had a great season, but Trevor Lawrence is supposed to have more talent, and I'm going to go off of that, especially since Herbert is still young. It's not like Herbert has um, conditioned himself as a top five quarterback in the league, he's still growing. And I think I might go a guy who's a little more cost effective because of course he's a year into his rookie deal. Um, but I'm also going with the talent. So honestly, all of those guys, I think I'm moving on from. So
0: if somebody says on the text line, six, five, seven, eight, Oh, I don't think anybody would give up Trevor Lor- or uh, Aaron Rodgers for Trevor Lawrence. I know I wouldn't. The thing with Rogers that makes it a more interesting conversation to me is that he's 37 If he was 31 years old, absolutely, no question about it, I would not trade him straight up for Trevor Lawrence. But Lawrence is a 21-year-old rookie that is a can't-miss prospect. You're basically signing up for potentially the next Aaron Rodgers, and you get 15 years of it. Or you can stay Pat, if you're the Packers, with Aaron Rodgers, and you get him for maybe three more years. I think I would trade Rogers straight up for the number one overall pick. It's crazy. And again, none of this would ever happen, but I think I would. Dak is tough for me, but with the injury and the questions that surround everything, I think I would go with that. Lamar, I would definitely do straight up. Kyler, I would definitely do straight up. (laughs) We didn't even have to think about that one. Herbert is the one that I'm struggling with because I've seen Herbert be amazing in the NFL. That dude dominated last year. He was incredible. And I think if I was the Chargers, I might just stick with Justin Herbert, who I've seen do it in the NFL. And it translated really well. He's huge. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's athletic. He's got all the things that people are talking about, why Trevor Lawrence should and probably will translate to the NFL. I've seen all of those things work for Justin Herbert at the NFL level. I don't think I would trade him straight up. I think I would just say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and stick with him. I like what I've got right now with uh, Justin Herbert.
4: I don't think I would do it straight up for Trevor Lawrence. That might sound crazy. I think I would stick with where I'm at. I I think I would do it because uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert are very similar in style. And I think Trevor Lawrence, well, I know Trevor Lawrence is supposed to have more talent than Justin Herbert. So for me, I would pull the trigger on that.
1: Yeah, I, I understand that, but I think Herbert's going to be one of the, top 5 best quarterbacks in the NFL at some point the way he stepped in this season really kind of turned my head and i think i said joe burrow was going to be one of the best quarterbacks to come out of that nf was going to be the best quarterback oh. to come out of that draft I don't think so. I think it's going to
4: be uh, Justin I still, Herbert. I still think Joe Burrow is going to That's be. That's awesome. another
1: one. Would you trade Joe Burrow? No, straight I, don't up? Think so. I would. The knee injury is concerning, and I, I totally forgot. Yeah, I forgot about the Dak injury. So yeah, I probably would trade. Yeah, Dak. I would trade Joe. You brought up a point with Rodgers of you know you got three years left of him, or you can have the next fifteen of Lawrence. I know that when I say this, it's going to get some heat for this, but I know what Aaron Rodgers is, and there's. Always the risk that Lawrence doesn't pan out. So I would rather keep what I have and what I know in Rodgers, who was a guy that's MVP caliber for another three years and then try and figure it out rather than take a guy that, yeah, has really big upside and could be one of the best quarterbacks in the league after we draft him. But there's still that one chance that he does not end up being the quarterback we think. And if Rodgers turns out to be the quarterback, you don't think in the next three years, that's three years compared to fifteen. Yeah, it's
0: is versus could be. And you're 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 going with instead of the upside, you're going with a guy that has already proven what he can be in the NFL. I think that's totally fair. And that's where I'm at with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's just twenty-two years old, so it's kind of more of a one-for-one one there. Um I, I think that if I were the Bengals, I would probably do it. I would do it for Burrow. I don't think I would do it for Herbert. And it does come back to what you just said with the knee injury. Just I'm not, like, out on Joe Burrow by any stretch, but I saw a little bit more last year from Herbert than I did from Joe Burrow. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie Coming up in about 15 minutes, you remember that Hugo Wigo saying that there used to be with Dexter Fowler? I think the Cardinals have a player that fits into that, and it's not the player that you're going to be thinking it is. We'll talk about that in 15 minutes. Coming up next, we're diving into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN.
2: This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario
0: with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer, all right, guys. I'd like to get started with an employee from Italy that I honestly think. Might be my hero.
4: Well, I don't have a junk
1: drawer today (laughs) then, boys. I I, I saw this story. BK's rundown
4: actually stated he was talking about the Target run today, so...
1: (laughs) Wow, BK, come on now.
4: That's not what happened. I was just BKO'd.
1: So, a
0: hospital employee in Italy has been accused of skipping work on full pay. For a day. No, not a day. For 15 years. This gentleman apparently last showed up to the hospital that he was employed by in 2005 and over this stretch of time he has reportedly been paid 465,000 euros now i'm not good at exchange rates but i can tell you this that is a bleep ton of money that he has been paid to again not show up for work for 15 years He, of course, is now being investigated for fraud, extortion, and abuse of office in Italy.
4: Italians do it right. Guys, this guy had him made. He had
0: figured out how to live the good life. He was getting paid for 15 years, more than a decade. Think about how much has changed in your life since the year
1: 2005. I became a teenager. What is true, though?
0: I was literally 13 years old in 2005. I was 15. Yikes! I I was just starting to drive. I was five. Alex, since then,
4: has found a wife. He got married. Why'd you say it like that? Alex, since then, has found a wife. (laughs) He found a girl that that he decided to
0: spend the rest of his life with. Which seemed impossible. (laughs) It did. Um, But (laughs) found it nonetheless. Same thing for me, Alex. Uh, You had a child. I did. I mean, thing This dude for 15 years didn't show up to work and continued getting paid. He shouldn't be investigated. If
4: anything, they should investigate how he was able to find a way to do this and allow others to do the same. Well, and that'd be my question. Like, what job at a hospital do you have that can go unnoticed for 15 years? That's a really good point, too. Are you a cook, possibly? Are you a a custodian? So he was a civil servant. So a custodian probably He was
0: assigned to a job in the hospital in 2005 It was at that point that he stopped going into work apparently According to the police He also may have threatened a manager to stop her from Filing a disciplinary report against him But that's neither here nor there
4: (laughs) Oh, now I know how he got away with it Hey man, it's worth a shot, right? Seriously, shoot your shoot shoot your shot. That's amazing. 15 years of never going
0: into work. Like imagine if Alex we just decided to stop coming in.
4: Well, I don't think they would notice.
0: I mean, Jamie did it, but <laughs> he yeah, he claimed it was <laughs> a green card thing. He did it for it. a few months. This dude did it for 15 years and he just stayed on the payroll somehow. I wonder if there's anybody in our audience. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service Tax line. Well,
4: you trying to get people freaking arrested, BK? I wonder if there's anybody in our audience who is committing fraud like this. If so, text us three one four. Yeah, we won't out you. <laughs> don't you worry. No, don't just. We won't say your this name. This is a safe place. Yeah, we we promise we won't forward it to the police. I wonder
1: it's if not anybody like we've posted our text group on Twitter
0: before. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> has ever had who a situation that? like this? You know what? Here's what, how we'll do it. Or if you know of a friend. Who has had a similar situation Where they just didn't show up And they somehow ended up Staying on the payroll somewhere
4: Throw your friends under the bus While you're at it That's incredible I'd love to try it Well yeah Because you hate Working with me every day I know I had it made Working from My uh closet at my house for a <laughs> couple of weeks and then i thought you, were a DJ's like, you need to come back in
0: somebody on the text line said matt carpenter's been doing it for three years seems whoa. to be working out for him
4: oh whoa <laughs> that's not nice that's not that nice that is not nice because he's not committing fraud that is not nice he's making an awful lot of money somebody said we're in
0: the tree of trust right yeah go ahead go ahead and send yeah, those Shoot it in for us tanner what do you <laughs> have for the junk show today man
1: all right, so Florida man story. Because I apparently you ever- stole Alex's story, well, you did. Story. You did.
4: Floor- I, I will show you the rundown that says BK's junk drawer. A Target trip that went
0: AWOL. crazy. That is not what it says. The junk drawer is underneath that with a link listed next
4: to it. If somebody
0: wants to be behind the scenes, oh,
4: damn, no, I can't. I deleted the message because <laughs> I always delete your messages. So you're probably Sounds lying. Sounds about right tanner what you got big guy so a florida man story ever heard ever heard that start everything, before for the junk drawer everything goes wrong we in had, florida
0: we had multiple people say wait they had, they actually pay bk to show up and somebody else bk you already do this they
4: offer you money to he do actually, nothing for the company He actually stood out the window and just tapped on the glass until somebody <laughs> let him in like
1: let me in
4: <laughs> sorry go ahead tanner
1: so a guy in dayton beach florida was, I guess, running behind. Surveillance video shows him crashing through two barricades as a drawbridge is lifting up and splitting apart, and he goes over the bridge, makes it onto the other side safely. What is it for you guys that would ever have you running so far behind that you would have to go over a drawbridge? Or would you even attempt it?
0: What I, what I ever attempted? Do you know me at all? This reminds me. Have you guys ever seen Gone in 60 Seconds? That final scene? Yeah, Nick Cage. Or Jolie. <laughs> goes over the drawbridge with all of the police cars Might have been behind before my him. time. Gone in 67s. it gone in 60 seconds is one of those all-time great um, good bad movies. It's not a good movie, but I really enjoy
4: watching that. Didn't you say Alex you had one of those that you watched last night? <laughs> oh yeah, terrible movie. The Grudge. You remember the old Grudge from the early 2000s? You were a baby at this time, Tanner, so you obviously wouldn't know. The one with Sarah Michelle Gellar? I never watched it. Oh, my God. It was such a bad movie, but it was hilarious at how bad it was. Did you ever watch The Ring? Oh, yeah. Even worse. That was the one that I
0: watched that when I was like, God, I must have been like 10 years old. I
4: used to go like, we would go on dates to movie theaters to see those movies, and there was nothing. (laughs) obnoxious and sitting in a movie theater and everyone just screaming at the top of their lungs at that movie. And now you go back and watch it and you're like, what the hell were these people screaming at? It's terrible.
1: Yeah, not I'm great. not sure how
0: we got to this point again. Um, As for your question, yeah, no, I, there's I, nothing, I wasn't even listening. So. There was nothing that would have you arrived at the level of me jumping over a
4: drop rate. Oh Gosh, yeah. I would go for it. Oh no. yeah, if I knew that I could get like a, you're talking about in a car, right? Yeah. If I knew that like you give me a new car and Oh, yeah, I'd take the shot. Oh, I'd take my blue M&M right up
1: and go up there. Did you just say M&M. you,
4: you drive an M&M? Yeah. Like, blue Ford Focus, like, blue M&M. Like peen and M&M or regular I think it's M&M? it's regular. Peen and M&M, best.
0: With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals have a you-go, we-go player in their lineup, and it's not who I thought it was going to be. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK
2: and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario
7: that is launched On Saturday, and for the first time tonight, back-to-back home runs, Edmund and Goldie. That's what it sounded like, what was that, two
0: days ago, three days ago now?
4: Well, it was the day that they scored runs.
0: Yeah, when the Cardinals scored some runs so against Monday? the Washington Nationals in game one of this series. That audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest, our guy Danny Mack on the call. With Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Paul Goldschmidt has been the you-go-we-go player for the Cardinals so far this year, guys. When he hits, the Cardinals win. When he doesn't, the Cardinals lose. So far this year, the Cardinals are 7-3 and three when Paul Goldschmidt records a hit in that game. They are 1-7 and seven when he does not. The lone win, of course, the home opener when he didn't even play in that game. Guys, the Cardinals basically can't win games right now when Paul Goldschmidt doesn't record a hit in that individual game. I didn't think that he was going to be the you go we go guy I thought it had more potential to be Tommy Edman or Dylan Carlson one of those other kind of accent pieces in the Cardinals lineup but so far this year he has been the number one guy that indicates whether or not the Cardinals lineup is going to be on track or not
4: it makes sense uh, because it's the heart of the batting order for you I mean I know he's in in the two spot for you right now but if you don't get Paul Goldschmidt on base then you're talking about Nolan Arenado or Tommy Edmund with nobody on so Paul Goldschmidt makes an awful lot of sense I'd be curious of what the numbers look like with Tommy Edmund too though because Tommy Edmund sure as hell seems like a kind of guy that if he doesn't get a hit the team's not going to be responding much I mean yesterday was a perfect example he didn't have a hit in that game and they didn't score a run
1: well, when we got, when we made our 20 most important Cardinals list... You had him sixth. That sounds about Paul right, Goldschmidt? actually. Yeah. yeah. The reason I did that, though, was because I thought at the time that Carlson was going to be hitting two, and I, we all knew Edmund was going to be the leadoff guy. So my thought process was those two guys in front of them play a very important role, because if they're on base, then it gives those guys a chance, Goldie and Arnado, to drive them in. Well, you don't have that, so now when Goldie's not getting on base, and Edmond's done a great job of doing so... Goldie, not on base. Arnauto doesn't have as good a chance of an opportunity to drive in a run. Edmund, if he's not on base especially. But when you look at the card of Goldie and Arnauto, you're seeing them no matter what in the first inning. And if they come up and you get them out, so let's say, for example, Edmund gets on base, which he's done a lot so far this season, and then you get Goldie and Arnauto out, it just feels like it just kind of sucks the wind out of you right off the bat because all those were our two best guys going to battle right there in the beginning. You don't score first. Maybe that's part of what plays into those numbers.
4: Yeah, six five seven
0: eight zero is the air comfort service tax line. By the way, to answer your question, Alex, what the Cardinals do whenever um, they get a hit out of Tommy Edmond, he they're eight and seven when he hits, they're zero oh and three when he doesn't so far this year. So
4: not much of a difference. Yeah, so it's
0: basically a five hundred club when he does. Uh, the other thing is he's just he's getting a hit almost every game, so he, right. he's a, he's been a big part of what they're doing. I do think it is also noteworthy that Paul Goldschmidt's had some real struggles of late. In his last 7 games he has struck out 10 times. He has just one walk in that stretch of 10 games. He's batting 207 um in that area. I don't remember when the game was. I think it was the home opener right when he hit the when he had the back issue. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't quite been the same hitter that he was to start the year since then. And I wonder if there are some reverber- reverberating issues from that back in- injury. I don't know what it is, but he he hasn't quite looked the hasn't quite looked the same since then, and especially in these last 7 games that I'm talking about, he's been a little late. Yesterday you could tell the shadows maybe Jim Edmonds I know was mentioning that a few times, that was an issue for him and the lineup as a whole, but they need Paul Goldschmidt to get things going again because when he is hitting this offense looks completely different than what they have looked like over the last couple of days in particular
4: do you think that has to do with the injury or do you think that has to do with him trying to do too much I don't know because part of me wonders if Paul Goldschmidt's up there and it's so hard for me to believe this because he's a veteran and he knows that that's not how you you win baseball games But it seems like he's going up there and he's swinging for the fences to try and jumpstart this offense, especially like the second time through the order, because if guys aren't getting on base, it's kind of like, okay, well, guess what? Goldschmidt and the pressure's on you right now. So I do know that Goldschmidt, though, is a slow starter in the early portions of the season. Like that was his biggest thing when he was brought over from Arizona. Like he heats up once you hit June, July, August. But as much as I'll talk about the injury, which it could always be that, I also feel like there might just be that added of like, hey, we need you to start hitting. And he's going up there trying to swing away rather than being patient.
1: Yeah, I I think that could easily play into that. And with Goldie, the thing is, is he's used to being that production guy hitting in the three spot, have the power, driving the runs. He doesn't have to be that anymore. So I wonder, too, if it's part of just kind of adjusting to a new role. And I get it. You still would love to see Goldie get the 25 to 30 home runs. But guys, he's hitting in the two spot because he's your best hitter. If he's getting on base and he's doing his job, and then it comes down to Arnauto, which you have faith in, and then whoever's in the cleanup spot, whether it's Yachty, DeYoung, or Carlson. So to me, maybe it's just Goldie's adjusting to his role. When I look at Goldie, if he hits 20 home runs this season, but he has a good on-base percentage and a high average, and the slugging dips down a little bit, then I am completely fine With what Goldschmidt would do, because to me, he does not have to be the 30 home run, 100 RBI guy this season. Here's
4: how his numbers go April and March, an 871 OPS, May 918, June 983. July nine forty eight, August nine thirteen. So yeah,
0: so it might be just a simple thing of hey, as the weather warms up, so does Paul Goldschmidt. I know that used to be the thing with Matt Holliday as well. Mm-hmm. Once you got closer to the summer months, the ball carried a little bit more off of his bat, which makes all the sense in the world, and he started heating up a little bit more. I think that this is just something worth paying attention to, and. Uh, I I'm not like concerned about Paul Goldschmidt by any stretch, but the Cardinals need him not just to be pretty good, but to be great for this offense to reach the full potential. Michael Gersh yesterday was on Bally sports Midwest with Jim Hayes. And they asked the Cardinals general manager about this Cardinals offense. So far this season,
6: we're in the, I think in the top four or five in the national league in scoring, which is great. It would be nice to spread the runs out in the perfect fashion to always have one more run to the opposition, but that's not really how this stuff works. So uh, I think we're hitting the ball hard, we're hitting home runs, we're scoring runs. Uh, we need to get a couple breaks in terms of spreading them out better. But all in all, I'm I'm pretty happy with the offenses. Do
0: you guys agree with his assessment? So far, are you happy with the Cardinals offense? Just blanket statement as we are midway through uh, the first month of the season, or I guess getting closer towards the back end of the first month of the season. How would you assess where the offense is right
4: now? It's hard for me to say I'm happy with it although it's hard to argue being happy because you're at the top of Major League Baseball with home runs, but you're hit and miss. Like, you can't be excited about the fact that three games you're going to win by scoring all of these runs, and then the next four you're going to score a total of three runs. So I'm happy that they fixed an area that was their area of weakness over the last few seasons in terms of the power, the slug, mm-hmm. the home runs, but I'm not happy about the fact that they are – hot and cold of scoring 12 and then scoring none?
1: I think I lean towards I'm not happy. And I'm glad, like you mentioned, that the home runs are up and the slugging and OPS is up. They're about league average in both of those categories. But again, for me, if you're going to be a World Series contender, you have to be top five in those. And also, with that being said, your situational hitting has got to be better. Yeah. You, you cannot be what we were reading off in the first segment with the runners in scoring position these games that you're not scoring. And yesterday, you can't come up against an ace and Max Scherzer in the first with the bases loaded one out and get zero runs. And you can't have it happen in the eighth as well. Even with a runner at second and two outs, you've got to try and find a way to get that run in against an ace and Max Scherzer. So. Jeez. I lean towards not being happy so far.
0: So the Cardinals current rankings in the National League, 11th in batting average, 11th in on-base percentage, and 6th in slugging percentage. I would lean towards the fact that I am not content with what the offense has been thus far. It needs to be a little bit better. And the biggest thing is what you just said there, Tanner. They've got to be more consistent. Mm -hmm. And there is one other thing, guys, that I feel like this offense is missing. And Greg Amseger... Well, that too. Greg Amsinger was on with the morning show character in Smallman earlier today, and he mentioned it, and it's something that I actually texted to Tanner yesterday, uh, to you as well, Alex. No, you didn't. And I think Amsinger nailed this on the head whenever he was on with the morning show.
6: Cardinals are way too stationary. It's boring, and it's driving me crazy. It, it, It just is. I saw D. Strange Gordon get signed by the Milwaukee Brewers. The Cardinals could have used a guy like that. I need a bunt. I need the infield in to start the game. That's what I need. I I need the other team worried about speed from the St. Louis Cardinals. So –
4: Oh, the What, you're saying D-Strange Gordon would have been a better option to play second base than Matt Carpenter is? (laughs) Well, I heard the Bunts are best option. I want to see a little bit more action, guys. I hate to say it, that's not going to happen with this manager. Why? But it did.
0: It did in the past. Not last year. Last year was different. But his first full season, 2019, I believe it was, when the Cardinals were kind of at their best, they were running on the base paths they were super aggressive at stealing bases and that just hasn't existed for the cardinals so far this year i mean tommy Edmond isn't is he still the only one that has a steal for them on the yeah yep, he's three and nobody else has a stolen base well, but look
4: at the other guys that steal bases they're not in the line i mean you had justin williams yesterday who jim Edmond said it, and i agree just a not a good jump off of first base to where he got that double play strike him out throw him out you don't have anybody else who steals bases on this team Carlson. Should be that guy. Mm, Carlson seems like they're trying to just keep him... And that's where it comes back to the management for, or the, uh, the the manager for me. Like it feels like it's more of, hey, don't worry about any of that
1: other stuff. Just go up there and and do your at bat. What do you think Carlson should have in steals? Because I think like ten to fifteen. Okay, well then that's he about where i least say about a couple ten attempts he, so yeah, far He this was year. he
4: was viewed as a guy who was going to be like a twenty twenty guy.
0: Yeah, I just I want to see them get a little more aggressive on the bases. Take that extra base the other day with Yachty staying at second, I believe it was instead of going. I understand Yachty's not the fastest guy in the world, but. Like those are the things that are going to matter if you're an offense that has a little bit of inconsistencies. You gotta take those extra bases. Last night, um, I was watching ESPN and they had uh the Rays versus the Royals on. And the way that the Royals won that game, they got a base hit to start out the ninth inning. They ended up pinch hitting or pinch running rather for him with Jared Dyson. Dyson steals second base. They end up having a sacrifice bunt move him over to third, one out, man on third, they run a squeeze. Dyson scores and they end up tying the game that later on win it in the ninth inning. That stuff just hasn't really happened very often with the Cardinals this year. And some of that is, you guys are right, team speed, the lack of it with uh, both Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader on the I.L. right now. But I also just want to see a little more aggressiveness, a little bit more excitement going for them. Put some pressure on the opposing defenses.
4: You need more of what Matt Carpenter did to get on base. You need more guys who see the shift and say, "Okay, let's see what you're going to do. You need more guys who are willing to turn a a single into a double and take those chances. I do agree. They used to do that in 2019. They would be a team that said, if I get thrown out, I get thrown out. I'm going for it. But I don't think you have the right roster players for that right now because those guys are Tyler sure. O'Neill and Harrison Bader. Then it needs to start when O'Neill gets back, like when when O'Neill's back,
0: which is tomorrow. He's expected to be back up. I want to see him getting. I guess you got to get on base first, and that's <laughs> been tough for him. But when he gets on base, oh, I want to see him run, shots run a fired. Bit. I I, I want to see them do a little bit more of this. I have to under. I have to believe that you're excited, or you would be excited by this, Tanner.
1: Yeah, I would. I'd love to see it. But the thing with me is that I don't think they're. F- only to me three or four guys are fast enough to get a steal themselves and what i mean by that is i feel like the other guys would just be a pawn in doing a hit and run the problem is is i don't think you have enough contact guys because it's all or nothing so far this season to do the hit and run if i if you told me i could do a hit and run with somebody the only guys i would do it with right now would be tommy edmund and nolan Arenado and Yachty. i would put Yachty in that I'd conversation hit and run with paul goldschmidt yeah i i just think right paul now Goldschmidt's his, right been now fundy. i i I, right now, Goldie's just running into bad luck. So a line drive that isn't out, I just want to hold off. I agree. Paul Goldschmidt would be a guy that I would. But, you know, I, Goldie's kind of the same conversation we've had about Carpenter. Goldie's hitting the hell out of the ball. He's just gotten a couple more to drop than Matt Carpenter. His true. average is below 230, I believe. But again, two
4: twenty five. it's 225. look at the back of a baseball card. Paul Goldschmidt's going to end up where he always ends up. Matt Carpenter is trended in this direction for the last four years. I get it. I get that.
0: I just want to see them get more active. I, I want to see more of what we saw last. Basically, night that BK
4: game. is bored with Cardinals baseball and he'd rather watch Royals. No,
0: I just like you've got the you've got Whoa. the power now. You've got the power. Yeah, I also right. want to see the speed element because at their best, that's a big part of it. They they should be a defense pitching and base running type of a team that's what they have assembled with the talent that they have especially when O'Neal and Bader return I'll give them a couple weeks of leeway honestly that's totally fair but they should be that kind of a team
4: honestly though you're you're spot on BK like everyone in this lineup should be able to do the hit and run yeah because that's the Cardinals way that's what that's the fundamentals that they spend time on and that's something that Mike Schilt has utilized in the past everyone should be willing to do that
0: with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson I'm Brandon Kylie. coming up in 15 minutes it sounds like the brewers might be putting some pressure on the Cardinals to make a move this year we'll talk about that coming up but coming up next time for bet it or forget it on 101 ESPN this is the BK and
2: Ferrario podcast now here's BK and Ferrario
0: 65780 is the air comfort service text line for bet it or forget it. Let's start with this one, guys. Tyler O'Neill back with the big league club tomorrow is the expectation. He'll be coming off of the injured list. Bet it or forget it. Matt Carpenter finishes the year with more starts than Tyler O'Neill. Matt Carpenter finishes with more starts than Tyler O'Neill.
4: Bet it. No, 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 no. <laughs> forget it. Sorry, I had to like go back on this. No, forget it. (laughs) It Prove me wrong there. Yeah, forget it. Um, Honestly, as soon as Tyler O'Neal came back, I felt like it was going to be done with starting for Matt Carpenter unless another injury pops up. So if we're going into the caveat of there's no other injuries and health is the rest of the season, Tyler O'Neal is going to start more games.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I would... Bad. You're forgetting no, it. Forgetting it. I know. Yes. No, yeah, that, that that oh, wasn't
4: huh? on you. Huh. That was on me.
1: I. So I. I agree. Tyler O'Neill is going to so start. So far, by the
0: way, Matt Carpenter has ten starts. Tyler O'Neill eight.
1: Yeah, but, but I. I think Danny Mac said on the Danny max Show with BK earlier. You know what was Carpenter's role heading into the season? It was to be the bench back and
4: the backup player for Tommy Edmond, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt for days off.
1: Yeah. So I, I think when O'Neill gets back, you'll see Carpenter go back to the bench. Because again, what's the whole model been this off or this I don't season? Know that that was for sure the model. We motto have for to. Them, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: I I don't no, know that no, the, the no, expectation no. going into the year was that he was going to be a backup. He started in the fifth game of the season so uh, it wasn't like he was on the bench for three weeks and then suddenly emerged oh boy <laughs> doesn't mean you're wrong uh, but i just i don't know that that was for sure the but plan. it doesn't mean you're
1: right yeah that was just uh that really hurt
0: i'm gonna bet it i think matt carpenter finishes the year with more starts than tyler o'neill
1: he's got some illustrated <laughs> that I mean, ain't gonna happen Tyler O'Neill
0: in eight starts so far this year, has 14 strikeouts and four hits. He had a
1: groin injury. It's
0: fine. He's been on base four times, and he struck out 14.
4: But did you see what he did in spring training?
0: He was great, but I also saw what a lot of guys did in spring training, and as I told Tanner every day, none of it matters. All the
1: time. All the time. (laughs) And We saw what Matt
4: Carpenter did, though, and it carried over.
0: That's fair. Um, I just the pitching struggles carried
1: over too. by the way just saying
0: i think they have more options in the outfield to do something similar to what tyler o'neill provides as a right-handed outfield bat than they do with matt carpenter as a left-handed bat who can play a fine second base not great I think he's going to end up seeing more opportunities over the life of the season. That doesn't mean that I want him to, but I think that that ends up being the case. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Guys, better to forget it. Nolan Arenado opts out if the Cardinals missed the playoffs this forget
4: year. Forget it. Get out of here. I agree. I don't even understand why people are really talking about this. Like, we all heard him in his press conference with the Cardinals. Like he talked about how he didn't really want to opt out with Colorado. He wanted to play with Colorado, but he wants to be com- competitive. Even if they miss the playoffs this year, you have so much more money coming up on the books next off season. Now, if they go into next year and don't make any upgrades and stick with the same team, then yeah, I can see him opting out because that's not a team that's trying to win. Did, I mean, we've also, this guy almost got into a fist fight with Nick Castellanos in game number two of the season. The guy got a standing ovation. He got a curtain call in his first game at Busch Stadium. This guy ain't going anywhere.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. He, he's not 100%. going anywhere.
4: Mr. 100% he's not going anywhere.
1: He's not going anywhere. And like you said, if they don't spend next offseason when the money's coming off the books, then things might become a little bit more questionable. But even then, I don't have any concerns. I'm not even a little bit worried about this
0: at all. Like zero concern for me whatsoever. You can go ahead and write it in stone right now. Nolan Arenado will be a Cardinal for the next five years. Yeah. He's going to be here the length of that contract. Uh, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for better to forget it. Better to forget it. The Cardinals will finish this season as a top five scoring offense in the National League. So right now, teams in the National League ahead of the Cardinals are Cincinnati. They have the best scoring offense in baseball so far this year. The Dodgers, Arizona, Atlanta, and St. Louis. They would be fifth right now in the National League. Better to forget it, they finished top five in the NL in scoring.
4: I'm going to forget it. I think they finished top ten, but there are teams that are underperforming right now that I think are much better than this. Um I just don't think the Cardinals can stay on that pace because the scoring is coming from the home run ball. And unless we start to see trends more from contact and guys getting on base, I think that'll drop a little bit. I still think they finished top 10 or at least the top half in Major League Baseball, but I don't think it's top five.
1: Yeah, I'm going to forget it too. I just... You look at where they are now, and it's mostly because of those three big outbursts. You take away just one of those, and we're not even having this conversation, so forget it.
0: and it's really interesting to look across baseball right now, because San Diego is averaging 3.6 runs per game. That is San 26th Diego. in baseball. You know who has the worst runs per game so far this year in baseball? The good old Yankees. No, not are the 27th. Not- no, they are 23rd in baseball. Brewers? The New York Mets uh, are scoring 3.2 runs per game. The, I could have saw that the coming. The Yankees are 27th at 3.5. The uh, Padres are 26th at 3.6. These are teams everybody would agree eventually are going to revert back towards the top of the pack, right? So the the beginning of the year is just so interesting to watch with the baseball analysis that has had. I don't think the Cardinals finished top five, but I don't think they're going to be far behind. I think what we're seeing right now is pretty real with they're going to have certain games where they just score 10 to 15 runs because they've got really good dudes in the middle of their lineup that can hit for power. And when you have that, you're going to have some big time games, Mm -hmm. big time outbursts where it's a little different than what they've had the last few years. I think that's in play for them. I don't know that we're going to see the consistency that we were hoping for them. I think that might be the thing that ends up Taking a back seat. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line for bet it or forget it. Bet it or forget it. The Cardinals only have one player this season that finishes with at least five stolen bases. Cardinals only have one player Ooh. with at least five stolen bases this year. Um, I'm guessing they're saying Tommy Edman, and then nobody else gets to more than five. Yeah, I'm, get,
4: I'm gonna forget that because I, I, I think you're gonna see ample playing time for Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill. Now, I don't know what those batting averages are going to look like. Huh. I don't know how much they're going to get on base, but I can promise you that when they get on base, they're going to take advantage of the, the, the speed from those two. And I just, I don't see... I don't see individuals being around this. I see Dylan Carlson getting to that point. Honestly, I could see Justin Williams getting to that number. So I'm going to forget this. I think you'll see multiple names with five or more.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to forget it. I think you're going to see probably four guys that get there. I think Williams. I think Bader, if he's healthy, O'Neill could get there. Edmund. Did you
0: know O'Neill only has six stolen bases in his career? Yeah, maybe
1: O'Neill won't get there.
0: Well, he never played 79 games. Well, he he never played base. stolen
4: bases. Okay, he never gets on base when he plays.
0: That's crazy.
4: It'll turn around. He's
0: like a 95th percentile sprint speed. The guy is unbelievably fast.
1: That's strange. I think, I think Goldie's going to get five, two, and maybe even Yadi. Yachty. Yachty can get five. Yadi is sneakily good at stealing bases. I mean, he
4: is, but five's a lot. Five's a lot. I, I can see done, one for Yadi. How many times you
1: bet yadi's done in his career? Uh, I'm going to say five? at least three.
4: Ooh, I'd, put the, I'd, I'd, put it, I'd put it the under. Under three? I think he's done it...
0: Twice in his career. I would say, I went one or two times. 2019, he had six steals. Wow, he's done it more than I would have thought. 2012, he had twelve. 2010, he had eight. 2009, he had nine. So he's done it four times Over in three. his career.
4: Yeah,
0: four times. In also, his career. when
4: he was like, you know, late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> not 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 17 years of of squatting down behind home plate for nine innings for 160 games. I think this is going to come down to Harrison Bader. I think Tommy Edman gets to more than five for sure.
0: I think if Harrison Bader doesn't, then the answer might be betted. And it really comes down to when is Bader back? I think it's going to be in the next couple of weeks. That's what the Cardinals keep telling us. But we know how optimistic the Cardinals tend to be with these injuries.
1: I thought Michaelis was going to be ready for opening day. I'm going to forget it. I'm going to say
0: that the Cardinals have multiple players with at least five stolen bases. I'm not feeling as confident in that today as I did before this season, though. I thought this was going to be a running team, and they certainly haven't been that.
4: Well, they're a running team, just back to the dugout. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner
0: Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Brewers pitching is putting some real pressure on the National League Central. What does that mean for the Cardinals in particular? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN.
2: This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
6: I think the Brewers are a team the Cardinals really need to be worried about because they're doing all of this without Christian Yelich. A move or a couple moves may need to be made to try to shuffle things up offensively for the Cards.
0: That was Greg Amsinger on the morning show today talking about how the Milwaukee Brewers are putting some pressure on the Cardinals because of the way that the Brewers pitching staff has taken form so far this year. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's a really interesting way to look at it, Alex, because the Brewers are winning so far this year, despite the fact that their offense has been pretty awful mm-hmm. for the vast majority of the season. They have been without Lorenzo Cain for large stretches. Uh, they have basically had nothing so far this year from Christian Yelich. the same as last year. Jackie Bradley Jr. hasn't done a whole lot for them offensively. Colton Wong has been in and out Justin of the lineup.
4: Justin has been silent for them.
0: I mean, the, the lineup has not been what they expected. The rotation has been immensely, so much more than what they could have possibly asked for. Do you agree with Amzinger that it could put pressure on the Cardinals to make a big move at some point if they don't start getting more from their offense, the
4: Cardinals? 100%, I do. I mean, we talked about this with BT yesterday on the crossover. Like, Corbin Burns is a machine right now. And then on top of it, like, they have depth in the rotation. Brandon Woodruff's been really solid for them. They got guys who can give them seven innings. And if they get seven... I mean, it's locked in because Devin Williams is coming and then you're wrapping it up with Josh Hader. So I absolutely believe the Milwaukee Brewers are going to put pressure on John Moselec to go after a outfielder rather than a starting pitcher. And I truly believe that it's got to be starting pitching for them. But Amzer is not the only one. Our guy J.P. Morosi from MLB Network, he tweeted it yesterday. The Brewers lead all of Major League Baseball in, in ERA, and he basically said the NL Central is theirs to lose. So if that's the view right now, you have to be looking at this team saying, "Okay, get this going, because by June 14th, remember our flag day destination? You're going to have some type of major move to compete with that team in the NL Central. And the Brewers are now
0: second in Major League Baseball so far this year in ERA. The Padres have overtaken them. We talked a little bit ago about the Padres' offensive struggles. They've been as good as expected when it comes to what they've done pitching-wise. LA is third. Mm-hmm. No surprise that those are three of, if not the three best teams so far in the National League this year. And Tanner, I'm curious would you would you agree with that sentiment that JP Morosi had that the bre- uh, Brewers right now are the team to beat in this division?
1: Yeah, I think so because because the pitching is so good and and right now pitching is dominating the sport. We Danny McRae the numbers off the date. Strikeouts are higher than hits right now. And you have that electric bullpen, too, with Josh Hader and uh, Williams. But you look at the offense, too. They're good defense—well, not just the offense, but you look at the lineup. They're good defensively. And when the the lineup is healthy, when they've got Yellich back and they have Kane and Wong is back from being injured, I mean, it looks like a good—it looks like a team that could be good offensively and they have the pitching depth. Right now, if I had to say not only are the Brewers a team to beat in the NL Mm Central— The Brewers are an X factor to kind of go up against the L.A. Dodgers right now because they have the pitching. The lineup may not be there as with the Dodgers, but if you have the pitching to shut down the Dodgers lineup, which I think they do at this point, And again, it's super early. Then you have a chance to beat the L.A. Dodgers. See, I still even today
0: and maybe I'm going to be accused of being like overly positive about the Cardinals and trying to shine a piece. of you know what, I still think that the Cardinals have the best combination of pitching defense and offense in this division. I think the Brewers have the best pitching. I think the Reds have the best offense, but I will take the Cardinals' combination of all of the above over both of those teams. I don't know that the Brewers have a really high upside offensively. When Yelich comes back, that'll change things for him no doubt about it. They're not going to be the worst team in the league when it comes to their offense later on, but I don't think they're going to be great either. I don't think the Reds are ever going to be great defensively or pitching-wise. I think the Cardinals have the potential to be good in all three categories. I think the offense can be good. I think the pitching can be good. And I know that that defense can be really good when they get everybody back healthy. So I'll still take the Cardinals. I know that so far it has not looked that way based on what we've seen early in the season, especially with the rubber match issues that the the Cardinals have been running into. I still think they're the best team in this division, top to bottom. And I know that they're not great. But I don't need them to be great to win this division.
4: I think I just need them to be pretty solid all around. You need your offense to be better than what they've been, though, if you're going to be taking on Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff in a best-of-five series. And, I mean, you're talking that. uh, You're talking a series loss, in my opinion, because you can't go out there and have one game where you throw all of the runs on the board, and then the next you don't show up. Like, you— At some point, you have to have guys who can take advantage of the best pitchers on the opposite side. And if you look at the track record, Cardinals have not been able to do that this season, other than in the instance that we've talked about, a guy who's been on the injured list and then a guy who was pitching in a very different climate for baseball.
1: And see, I would take the Brewers pitching over the Cardinals offense. I would, too. Especially the way they're playing now. Burns.
0: Oh, I would take the Brewers pitching over the Cardinals offense. I would take the Reds offense over the Cardinals pitching. I just think the Cardinals are the best middle ground. I think the Cardinals are the most well-rounded team in the division right now. See, I don't... I think there will be that over the long haul.
1: I don't know if they're going to get there because I think the starting pitching is going to be a problem. And if you have good defense, it's hard. That may help, and we'll see how that plays into it when the defense is healthy. But I still don't have 100% faith in the pitching. Let's not forget, we talked about it 15 games in, you had one quality start. Yeah, you've gotten three in your last three starts. Maybe it's just everybody had a good start their the last time out. We'll see as we go over last the last three starts.
0: They've been good, though. wayno has been good his last yeah, three starts. It- Carlos has been pretty solid his last three starts. Jack has been good his last three starts. KK just got back into the rotation. I never really had a whole lot of questions about him. He looked fine in his first start, other than the depth. I, I feel pretty okay about the rotation right now. I really do. I never had as many concerns about this, though, as you, as you guys did coming into the season. So that's not, that probably isn't a surprise. We've got a lot of priors that we're leaning on here at this point in the season.
4: That was a shot at you, T-Bone.
1: Yeah, I felt that way. No, I'm, I, my, right pro, heart.
0: my belief coming into the season was that the Cardinals are the best team in this division and that their rotation was going to be pretty good, better than expected. Your belief coming into the season was not that way about the rotation. You've you've been talking for a long time about how they're they're missing. Oh, I at super swipe on guy. everybody. Yeah, so it's it's not you a, had it's an not arm a that could surprise. throw ninety and you could start. <laughs> super swipe with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylo. We'll cross things over with the fast lane next. This is the BK and
2: Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
0: Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Time to cross things over with the fast lane. If you missed anything from today's show, check it out on the podcast page. It is all presented by I Promise Anthony Stalter in studio. Stoltz, what's good, man? How you doing?
7: I always enjoy coming in here and looking at the text line <laughs> and seeing things like from the three one four. If I were BK, I would hate myself and thoughts. Yeah, that was yeah. a little aggressive. Yeah. What what possibly do you say to to generate that sort of response?
0: I have the Cardinals still winning the division.
7: That that would generate that? (laughs) That's incredible. I mean, I think it's a
4: progression of all of his thoughts today that that, that culminate at the end of the show by like, I can't take it anymore.
0: Earlier today, I really made the Cardinal or certain texters mad when I said Matt Carpenter used to be a really good player. And I called him a superstar. I did. I I called him a a former superstar. Mm. And man, did that really that struck a nerve apparently
7: i wouldn't call i would not have called him a superstar but he, he was, was a superstar hitter he was an excellent he was an excellent hitter yeah i mean he was He's I, I no looked up. longer an excellent hitter i don't know if you guys saw yesterday no he is not or the day before i looked or it the up day earlier before. today yeah. there was
0: a the six-year stretch in his prime when he was a top 20 hitter in all of baseball top 20 in all of baseball over a six-year stretch like that That guy was awesome. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Stoltz. earlier today we were talking about this. Now, this has zero chance of happening, but it's an interesting discussion nonetheless. If the Jaguars said, you know what, we're going to have a bidding war for our number one overall pick, Mm -hmm. and the only thing we want is your franchise quarterback. So forget the picks. We're just going to take you. Give us your quarterback. We'll take it for the number one overall pick, and you guys can take Trevor Lawrence, right? Who do you think is the best quarterback that they would be offered? Uh, who, Who is the guy that could they would end up getting in return for that number one overall pick that you would want the most. Wow. Because Mahomes off the table, right? Yeah. No chance they get him. I don't think Tampa would be interested in trading Tom Brady because they're in a winning window right now. Yeah. You can win a Super Bowl. You don't pass that up in this time period. I Maybe Seattle would do it, but Russ is one of those guys that, like, if I was in charge, I wouldn't be trading for the number one overall pick. Mm-mm. We were talking about Justin Herbert. If you were the Chargers... Would you trade Justin Herbert straight up right now no. for the right to take Trevor
7: Lawrence? No, no, because I saw it last year. I saw I saw that he was able to to uh, have success. Almost said win, and he won a fair amount. Especially that that team that team was not great last year. But I, but I was able to see him have success at that level. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade Justin Herbert. The name that I immediately thought of was Carson Wentz.
0: Oh, you can do better than that, though, right? Who? See, I think
4: I think. Lamar Jackson.
7: I wouldn't give up Lamar Jackson if Would I were Would you give up Kyler? Baltimore. Would I give up Kyler Murray? Or Dak. For Trevor Lawrence. I wouldn't give up Dak. Josh Allen. Uh, oh. See, I think no. that's
0: kind of... That's Joe the Burrow? range that we're talking about, maybe.
7: No. Because, I mean... Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow had... The one one of, if not the greatest college football seasons. He he wasn't. I, I've got a lot of issues in Cincinnati, and I, I still have the same issues. <laughs> I don't know Cincinnati. what you're talking about. They're Salter's
0: great. gonna go crazy when they take a take a receiver. I oh already. Oh I, I don't
4: know what your take
0: is. They'll take that. Kyle
7: Pitts and I take Salter Sewell. ruins it. <laughs> Take Sewell. You talking about for Cincinnati? They're gonna take Jamar Chase, and you're gonna be furious. Take Sewell. Protect. I but teams build. Teams build from the outside in all the time. And Your they, team. My team does. My team's a poster child of it. And now I got to listen to. Well, they should take Kyle Pitts. And they're going to. You know they're one, going great. There's one football. Now look, would I be disappointed with Kyle Pitts? No, he's 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 likely a great player. Right, he's a great prospect. That's that's what he is right now. But it doesn't matter if Matt Ryan's on his ass again. I've seen like julio jones calvin ridley at one point it was roddy white julio jones and tony gonzalez like you need an offensive line at some point Mm -hmm. so adding kyle pitts is just great he'll stand he'll he'll still be standing there as matt ryan takes his ninth sack
4: that's like people keep talking about jerry jones drooling over kyle pitts it's like that's great but you better hope that you can score 56 because you're giving up 55
7: especially with that defensive coordinator god it's awful i've seen that one but anyways go back to it's an interesting question it really is i don't know i don't think you give up josh allen i don't think you give up i wouldn't give up lamar jackson i know that's i know that people are down on lamar jackson I, to me it, put put together an actual NFL offense around you do it yes if you get I, a receiver? I, I think he can yes what I, what I saw last year was i mean you can't you can't be running the nfl is is so innovative now with attacking not only deep, but you you make a defense defend the, the entire width of the field now. Unless you're Baltimore, where you're just matching the routes on each side. Yep. I mean it's absolutely ridiculous. I can't I I I don't think that that's that's all Lamar Jackson. I really don't. So I I wouldn't give up Lamar Jackson to, to go get Trevor Lawrence. But I, I Carson think I Wentz, would
0: because of the longevity. I just don't know. I don't know what Lamar looks like ten years from now, and he might be excellent. I might be giving up a guy that ends up being a four-time All-Pro. That is yeah. totally in play, and I would get knocked for it. Whatever. I think Trevor Lawrence has that potential as well, and I think he might end up playing for twenty years as opposed to Lamar, who might be at the top of his game for like three or four more years. Yeah. So I think that's why I would make the move if I'm if I'm Baltimore.
4: Here's the team that I know none of you guys would consider this: Nick Foles for the first overall oh, pick. Like Chicago has <laughs> to I'm, hold on to that.
7: If I'm the Bears, I have to hold on to Nick Foles and <laughs> yeah. Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton is my QB1, Amen. but you're going to to have gonna the Super Bowl a Super winner a solid the backup. QB2, you got to you got a guy with a Super Bowl ring. Damn right. Come on. Never do it, BK.
0: Josh Allen's the other one that I thought was really interesting because I think the answer for me would be no cuz I think he's a perfect fit for Buffalo. But, man, it's really hard to pass up on Trevor Lawrence if you're Buffalo. If they're telling you I'm giving you the prospect, like other than Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning, this is the guy over the last 25 years that you would want as a quarterback prospect. And I'm saying no to that. That'd be tough. That'd be really tough for me to do, but I think I would. Would you give up Dak? Because I wouldn't. I think I would because of the injury. Yeah, that's where I was at. That was the only reason why I would do it is just the questions of what's he look like when he returns. But I'm higher on Dak than a lot of people are. You know, I I I love Dak Prescott and I think he's excellent. I think he's a tremendous player. So it'd be tough for me to do that.
7: And I wouldn't worry about the injury. He tried to jam his foot back into (laughs) uh, the socket there. Oh, good. Couldn't have been too bad.
0: That's a fighter right there. Stoltz, what's coming up today on the fast lane, man?
7: So it's just BT and I. BT and I are going to break down what happened yesterday with the, the Cardinals, and obviously one of the biggest themes throughout the course of the show today will be Matt Carpenter. I mean, Matt Carpenter comes up in two golden spots yesterday, and we were all screaming. I mean, we saw live; we were all screaming in the studio. You can't, you can't hit him. You have to pinch hit for him right now. Yeah. Oh really? I mean, with the Yadier on the Yadi. bench. I mean, we we're all yelling it, and, and I know that he got. He hit the ball hard, but it doesn't. It just doesn't matter. That so, worked the first week of the season. Yeah, so BT and I are gonna are gonna talk about that. Obviously, some blues, and we are gonna do some NFL draft talk as well.
0: Awesome. Looking forward to that. That's coming up from two to six. We'll be back tomorrow at eleven on one hundred and one ESPN. You
1: can't fix a tire, you can't yeah. kill a bird. You've been listening to the BK and
2: Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise.